Okay. Any sort of compression running? Uh, do it, do it, not, do it afterwards in the box. Yeah, yeah. That's I don't, typically. I don't know if you do that with podcasts. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, uh, uh, I, well, another buddy of mine and I tried to do a podcast, and we mm-hmm. did one episode, mm-hmm. and it was like us kind of test running everything because yeah. he he lives over in Scotland, mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't do any sort of compression while recording, mm-hmm. and just did everything in post. That's probably a good idea. And it, yeah, it sounded. Fine. Did you use condenser mics, or did y'all use? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I used. Uh, I have an AKG. Yeah. Uh, and he's got some Neumanns. I know that. I think like Joe Rogan and them, they use. Uh, they the, use dynamic mics. Yeah, like yeah. SM7B. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's pretty good. I have one of those. Yeah. Um, I was using it to make YouTube videos. Nice. And then yeah. That you was like it? A, it's like a million years ago. Yeah. I mean, it worked. It worked yeah. great. Yeah. You know, like um, with a condenser, you get a lot more room noise. Oh, so yeah. so like you have to be more careful with your yeah because it's not uh, like especially the that. larger diaphragm that's yeah. actually yeah that's mm-hmm. actually why i chose these mm-hmm. larger diaphragm ones because not only do i want to like do i want to use them for the podcast or whatever mm-hmm. um but i also am tr- going to record a like a string quartet album okay. uh this summer wow yeah so I in scotland to... too no no, no. Did you go to Scotland for this podcast, or was it just no, like no, no. It, it was, was it was on Zoom? Oh, okay. We tried it on Zoom. Okay, um, it it worked pretty well, but uh, he's just too busy to mm-hmm. keep it going or whatever. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just start my own. Um, but yeah, that actually uh, kind of is a nice segue. So before we start getting to talking about deep philosophical things, <laughs> I did want to explain to whoever might be listening um and me and you yeah, yeah sure sure my reasoning for 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 doing this whole thing so obviously there are some very obvious political reasons as far as the past year that we've all experienced um and just the divisiveness that we've all gone through and and through conversations and experiences with my friends and my family um and just having conversations with people I just realized that I felt a need to put content out there or, or conversations out there that were um, long form and uh, politically based. So talking about issues that, you know, you you can really hash out. And, um and so I, I just wanted to really kind of dig into a lot of the political issues that I saw tearing us all apart, friends and family, um, and and be able to have a conversation with people, mm-hmm. and and kind of basically taking the principle of leading by example, mm-hmm. you know, because because I believe the only the only way that we can kind of get past a lot of the BS from this past year is to have these conversations. Sure. Yeah, and and uh, you know, particularly with people that we don't agree with, and and particularly on subjects that even if you agree with, are hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, so so I just I feel like that's that's a necessity right now, especially you know as everybody's locked in their you know social media you know echo chambers mm-hmm. is, is the big word everybody uses. Um, and I really do feel like there is a threat 
within our nation to this degree. And we can talk about this a little more, but I definitely feel that in our country, um, we, we are under an intellectual threat of, of undermining ourselves um, by shutting each other down and not talking um, and not debating. Uh, I, I just actually finished a book called America's Revolutionary Mind, um, which is an amazing book about sort of the philosophical ideas as well as the process by which, you know, the American founding fathers developed the constitution and a lot of the principles behind all that stuff. And something that I learned from that book that I didn't realize was that it took him 10 years to get to the point of open revolution. Um, and, and throughout that 10 years, they were basically arguing with, with Britain, um, about, you know, the, the issues that they were bringing up. They didn't want to separate, uh, from, from, from the kingdom or whatever. Um, and that surprised me because you always just hear about the revolution. Mm -hmm. You don't hear about the, the decade of intellectual discussion about the issues. And I believe that's what we need. And that's what I'm attempting to provide with this podcast is something to that extent, because nothing guarantees America's existence in the future. There's, there's no reason to believe we'll be around and we'll stay America. And I believe it's important that we do for, for many reasons. Um, and, uh, and for that reason, I, I want to start here with these conversations. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's a lot of why I, I wanted to start this podcast and why I am doing it. And, and kind of my reasoning for picking the people I've chosen, um, like yourself, uh, who are deep intellectual people who want to have these conversations um, and, and kind of be challenged by. Um, a lot of the people that I want to have on are people I feel intellectually inferior to be and, and because I want to be challenged. Um, but yeah, anyways, so that's a lot of why I want to do this, why I am doing this. Um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if if you want to jump in with any thoughts that you might have, well, you know, I have a ton um, of thoughts yeah, about yeah. all that. I didn't know if you wanted to introduce us first. Well, sure, yeah, um, or if that was something you're going to do later. No, no, uh, that's a that's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, I'm I'm Andrew Sears, um, and I'm uh, just a typical musician, teacher, and and composer, whatever. Uh, and I have with me Alex Grimes. Um, yes, yes, he is waving. Um, and I don't know if anybody's read Alex Grimes's uh, bio on um, on the Instagram page that I posted on critical underscore convo. If you want to go follow us on Instagram, um, but Alex is a lawyer, composer, uh, novelist, um, and crypto enthusiast. I get as, I get paid as, for two of those things. Yeah, he gets not, paid for two of, two of those things. Um, the important ones, the the lawyering and and uh, 
the uh what what was the other thing i said well i make money on in crypto i, okay. I don't know that i yeah, get yeah, paid yeah. to do it but i do yeah, generate income you do. doing it yeah sure sure uh, sure so got i pay that myself passive. to do it yeah there you go yeah that's what you want though right mm-hmm. you want to be able to pay yourself sure absolutely yeah. i mean i think i think you know if we're talking about america yeah right i mean that is the american dream you want is to be able to not? pay yourself rather mm-hmm. than have someone pay you yeah um you know uh i i think it's really interesting what you said uh kind of starting out the whole purpose uh is trying to encourage these sort of discourses between disparate uh, political philosophies rather mm-hmm. than having just these kind of uh, echo chambers. Because I feel like that you're right that a lot of this year there's been a, a lot of finger wagging yeah. um, and a lot of cheering on of the finger wagging. Yeah, yeah almost egging on. Mm-hmm. But, but there hasn't been a lot of meaningful conversation. And so... I'm reminded of this past year, I was living with uh, a gentleman that I consider to be extremely left. Yeah. Um, and I do, I do have friends who are self-described socialists, um, mm-hmm. who, who, who are, who also believe they, they, they would describe themselves as being very left. Um, my parents are, ex- are very right. They're very conservative, traditional conservative mm-hmm. Christian, Christian boomers, right? You know, mm-hmm. just kind of your, what you would expect when you think of, uh, kind of uh, a, a typical conservative um, mindset. Uh, now, I, throughout this whole past year, I, I've now I, to be clear, I don't really relate fully to either of those ideologies. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I kind of describe myself more in a libertarian mindset. Mm. Um, but I don't. I don't take it to a like the extreme some some libertarians do yeah yeah um, like it, we should all own tanks yeah or or predator trends <laughs> like i should have yeah. nuclear codes because the government has nuclear codes i don't yeah. think I, I don't think i go that quite that far yeah <laughs> uh into it but i do believe very strongly in self-direction mm-hmm. in uh personal responsibility yeah uh in being resilient and hardy and um very capable as an individual Mm-hmm. Um, w- but without going to the point of excluding, uh, like the need for a society and support yeah. structures yeah. and, and government institutions, even yeah. public institutions that do support us as people, uh, because I believe that those are very important. So during this particular time, I would have these very long discussions with, uh, the gentleman who's living with me, mm-hmm. uh, about how he had very... Uh, very left-leaning uh, philosophies, and I we would have arguments about it. Um, mm-hmm. Where I would I would be, well, I, I don't know about arguments. I mean, they were they were like borderline discussion arguments, right? Where it's yeah, like it's heated, yeah. but it's not. It's yeah, not, you're, it's you're not, you're not never, name calling. Mm-hmm. We never we never had our feelings hurt. Like we were sure, both we both sure. very much like each other. We respect each other. Yeah, and so uh, it was never a problem. If anything, yeah. we just if, if anything, it strengthened our relationship. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. we became better friends for it. Um, and then I would have a conversation with my parents who would, you know, be on the exact opposite mm-hmm. side of that. Mm-hmm. And, I'd, and I'd be doing the same thing, but from, but from the opposite <laughs> perspective. Yeah. So um, I think that what I learned through doing that and, and playing that back and forth is that neither side really believes exactly what maybe like if you're if you if you think of yourself as being on one side of that or mm-hmm. the other i don't think the other side believes exactly what you think they do yeah um yeah. because i would have my mom say things um sorry mom uh, you know <laughs> I, I don't need to call you out i don't know that you'll ever hear this but um 
I forget. I want to I, I want to provide a, an example, but I also don't want to throw my mom under the bus. Sure. We, we were having a perfectly reasonable reasonable conversation. My mom's she's a very intelligent woman. She's a yeah. veterinarian. You know, she has a, a doctoral level degree. Um, and she was talking about there's something on the news about I, th- I think it was like a gay pride thing. Like she didn't understand. Sure. Like uh, about uh, there was like some ruckus about marital rights. Uh, and it, it wasn't about whether or not they had it, like, uh, uh, gay couples had the right to get married, but it, it had to do with the fact that, like, as a business, yeah, um, a business can fire a person for getting married mm-hmm. to someone of the same, uh, sex mm. without any repercussions, even though it's legal to get married. Yeah. Um, and so there was some, there was some big ruckus, ruckus in the media that yeah. was happening, and my mom was complaining about it and being like, why are these liberals so extreme? And like, why are they so, you know, mm-hmm. X, Y, or Z? And I was like, well, did you know that, you know, if you're gay and you get married to someone of the same sex as you, that you can be fired for no reason, right? That's the law right yeah. now. And yeah. she went, well, no, I didn't know that, right? So there was there was a, a miscommunication at some point where you had this big protest about um, this particular set of rights mm-hmm. um, that gay couples did not have. Yeah. Um, and my mom's exposure to media that was covering those protests did not really explain what the protest was about or yeah. what the actual core reasoning of the protests were. And so she was kind of indignified about the behavior of the protests. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I explained to her the complexity of the underlying issue and we talked about kind of like how hard it would be if you could just be fired for no reason yeah yeah uh, essentially for no getting reason. getting the human side of it mm-hmm. yeah. then she then she totally understand and understood it and and i think one of her responses was well why don't they just why didn't they just say that like i didn't know <laughs> yeah right, right? And, and so i was like well that's perfectly fair like perhaps it could have been communicated better but at the same time you could seek that information out, right? Yeah. Because because yeah. I you know I mean I sought it out. I'm like, what's going on? Let me go. Yeah. Me go what's actually happening? Right? Yeah. And um, a large part of that is uh, like I think it was it was a little bit over a year ago. It was before COVID actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I deleted Facebook. Yeah. Um, I deleted Twitter, Instagram. I got off of all of it. Yeah. I'm well back, done. I'm back on Twitter now. But, oh, but just 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 so I can keep <laughs> just, up with crypto news. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just get literally those, the that, only. I don't know yeah. where else I would get it. Get the information get the of those NFTs out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so yeah, it is hard to find in, in crypto information anywhere other than like, other than Twitter. Twitter's Twitter. where yeah. it is. Yeah, right. Twitter's where it is. Yeah. But I don't want to go too far afield. Sure, 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 sure. But um. We can we can get into crypto. Yes, yes, there in due time. But uh, so um, and, and and then it was very interesting once I had deplatformed myself mm-hmm. to see everyone getting their news from these social media sites. Yeah, yeah. And what I was what I was doing was um, I would just I would go online and I would look up some news aggregators like uh, Google News, right, or uh, I think maybe like Reuters and. Uh, just wherever else, I'd, I'd just poke around. I'd yeah. find a headline, and if I thought the headline was inflammatory, I'd find like two or three other articles that explained sure. it that were from, uh, excuse me, from opposing viewpoints. So like I would go, I'd be like, what does CNN say about this? What does Fox say about this? Yeah. 
you know, what does MSNBC say about this? And I'd, I'd get like two or three different opinions and I'd realize that all of them are wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not that the opinions are wrong, but the information, it's just, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's cartoonish how much of a caricature oh my gosh. Yes. each of these signs are painting of the other and that yeah. you can have the exact same story. Mm-hmm. And they're just so drastically different depending on which media outlet um, you're getting information from. And then... You know, I have my my parents who have this very conservative social media feed where all of their, you know, friends, I'm making air quotes, yeah, yeah. Um, on Facebook, acquaintances, people who, who they're connected to on Facebook are all themselves conservatively minded and are sharing the all same, these news articles yeah. and things and that support these kind of caricaturized versions of events of what's yeah. going on on the left. And then the same thing was happening with my friends who were more on the left, um, who had the same thing where they found that uh, the, I mean, I mean, where the information they're being fed fed and the memes and the articles and everything, just like, it just all made out people who are conservatives to be just these like... Bible-toting, I mean, racist, yeah, yeah, evil, racist, yeah, homophobic, profit, bigoted, profit yeah. over life's like, if you're poor, you just die, yeah, you know, yeah. and if you're not Screw rich, everybody, you know, just let me get rich, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of like the caricature, and I'm like, well, it's a lot more complicated than that, yeah, it's way more complicated than that, um, and usually if you have this idea um, of, you know, you think like, well, how could someone possibly believe this? Mm-hmm. Um, something that I have always found to be somewhat profound was, I don't know who said it, I don't know where I heard the quote, but at one point in my life, I, it, was, it, was, it was a quote, and it was ultimately, it was everyone is the protagonist of their own story. Yeah. In, in everyone's mind, they are the good a guy. good person. Yeah. They're the good guy. Yeah. And so if you ever see someone acting in a way or who holds an opinion and mm-hmm. you just think of yourself, what a bad person or how horrible or how evil, like, I think that it, it pays to take a moment to step back and ask yourself, how can I believe I'm a good person and I hold that and hold that opinion or that belief? And, and don't, 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 don't. Like, don't, not like, how could you possibly, right? Actually mm-hmm. think it through, like, critically. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't understand how it can be a moral position to hold, then, like, go and look into it or go ask someone. Yeah, yeah. And I understand it can be tough because even for me having those conversations, you know, with my parents and with yeah. my roommate at the time, they were very, uh, they were they could be very exhausting conversations. Oh, yeah. Um, and they can really get... Uh, your heart rate up because yeah, yeah. sometimes the things people are saying, you're just like, you're that's, that's wrong. And there's like 80 reasons why it's wrong. It's very difficult for me to articulate why it's wrong because it's such a complicated issue. And it can be very frustrating to have someone, um, essentially objecting to one of your core life beliefs, uh, yeah. and, and then finding yourself unable to properly defend it. Oh yeah. Um, so I think, I think that and maybe that's one reason why a lot of people, they avoid these uh, having these kind of types yeah. of conversations because yeah. because a lot of times 
if you're not extremely well-informed and well-prepared, it's very easy for someone who is well-informed and well-prepared to like absolutely run you over, which is kind of like what Ben Shapiro does, right? He's obviously like his entire life. He spends like developing arguments, reading up on these topics and Mm -hmm. everything. And then when, 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 when a libtard comes and, and, and wants to present a counter argument, you know, this is someone who works a job and doesn't spend every waking second of their life yeah. researching and preparing yeah. for uh, a, a dialogue or argument or a debate yeah. over yeah. this core political mm-hmm. belief. And so Ben Shapiro is just able to take them apart yeah, because of it. So um, that can be very intimidating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I and think discouraging. I think, yeah, definitely and discouraging. But at some point, there needs to be good faith on both sides of that argument yeah. uh, so that you know that the person that you're engaging with isn't there to like annihilate you. Yes. Right? They're there to really kind of understand what your position is. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Rather than try to convince you of their position or even worse, try to convince others around you yeah. of their position. I think I think if you go into these types of conversations, if your primary objective is just to understand why mm-hmm. the other person thinks that the way they do, that's probably the most constructive thing you can do. Like yeah. like it, who cares if they believe what your opinion is by the end of the day. If you understand why they have your opinion, you're just you're better informed and and maybe even then that better informs you on how to possibly communicate to that person yeah. to persuade them toward yeah. your viewpoint yeah. if you even still hold your viewpoint because there have been times where in having these conversations I've been substantially swayed in one one direction or another on an sure. issue because I didn't I didn't I had never really considered it yeah yeah and and, and the power of asking questions rather than needing to know all the facts I I, I have the same conversation with uh with my wife uh because obviously i'm a little more intellectual or not, i'm not saying i'm smarter than her because because i'm not look out um she definitely got better grades than i did um but i'm de- i'm more introspective and philosophical mm-hmm. than she is um and so because of that when i i, I feel like when you're philosophical and you start talking about the world in that way, it automatically makes people predisposed to think that you know more than you do just because of the way you're talking about things is a little more introspective or whatever. I don't know. I have felt this because I definitely don't know. I Because I too am off social media. Hmm. And so I don't know like any of the political headlines. I don't really read up on stuff. Not anymore. I used to try to keep up, but it's just... It's just it's impossible. Um, anyways, and so I definitely don't know as much as I think people think I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like to think intellectually or, or, or philosophically about things so I have well-thought-out opinions, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But anyways, having conversations like this with her, and she's just like, I don't know these things like you do, so I can't really... And I'm like, well, no, like, like just ask questions. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to know the all the answers. You don't have to read up on all the headlines. And this isn't me. This isn't like her and I having an argument. This is me more, more like talking to her about having discussions with people she doesn't agree with, and she just feels intimidated because she doesn't read up on the news. She doesn't know what's going on, and I'm just like, you don't have to. 
just ask questions. You know, the the idea of that you need to come into every single political and philosophical discussion with all your facts lined up and ready to go, and all your percentages, and all your studies mm-hmm. or whatever. That, that's a fight. Yeah, that's not that's exactly, not a discussion. Very, yeah. Right. That's a that's yeah. an argument at that point. That's that's a a debate. Yeah. And I think a lot of people they 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 do confuse discussion and debate with each other. Yeah. They're very different yeah. topics. Mm-hmm. A debate has a winner and a loser. Uh it's not always clear who is the winner and loser. Yeah. But but there is theoretically supposed to be a winner or a loser. It's a contest. Right? Mm-hmm. It requires preparation yeah. and it requires you to persuade someone. A discussion is is wholly about increasing your understanding yeah so you can go into a discussion knowing absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. uh and and if your objective is to become more well informed well then you know you can't i mean you're going to succeed wildly if you don't know a thing yeah because all you have to do is say can you explain this to me exactly Exactly. Uh, and i and i think that that is a a big difference because so much of what we see in the media Mm -hmm. is debating yeah um because anytime it's anytime we're shown something in the media it is a conflict Mm -hmm. and conflict is the heart of any good story sure uh and it's entertaining to us to see that conflict and it gets our you know it gets our we get hot under the collar yeah when we have conflict um and Whereas just watching people have a discussion is kind of like, it's not, you know, it's not primetime news. Yeah. It's, you know, two people sit in a room and, and you know, disagree politely. Yeah. You know, that's not, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. not watching no. that on Yeah, on, yeah. Uh, that's, not, that's not entertaining That's not your anybody. Netflix. That's not number one on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I think that's... The, the conservative bigot get shut out or mm-hmm. the libtard get shut out on so your the, platform of choice. The, the interesting thing about what you said, talking about asking questions, uh, you know, and and from the framework of philosophy earlier is, you know, that that's a Socratic dialogue. Yeah, yeah. The Socratic method is just Socrates just asked questions mm-hmm. and frustrated some of the most important <laughs> and influential people uh, of his day yeah. uh, in the ancient world. Um, and was able to sway people's minds and opinions without ever making a single assertion Mm -hmm. by simply asking questions that dove into the root of that individual's belief about a particular topic. Mm -hmm. Um, And although Socrates never said, like, well, you're wrong, or you don't understand whatever it is, like virtue or goodness... Yeah. Um, he never said those things. He would just say, what is virtue? The person would try to explain it. And he'd say, well, what about, you know, what is this or what is that? Or why yeah. is it this? Or yeah. why is it that? And he would just keep asking until the person on the other side just eventually was like, they either admitted, like, I don't have any idea anymore what yeah. virtue is. Like, I don't know what virtue is. No one knows. Yeah, like, yeah. Or, or they, you know, got mad and tried to have Socrates assassinated in some way. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't have to be that extreme. Didn't they eventually succeed? They, well, they yeah. sentenced him to death. Yeah. So, and he did, yeah. he did, he did he die. Did, Theor- yeah. I mean, allegedly, uh, most Drink of what we know. Or... Hemlock. Yeah. Hemlock. Mo- Hemlock. Most of what Not we know him. about Socrates is from the Platonic, from Plato's writings. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so... There's not a lot from actual Socrates. He didn't write anything down. Yeah. He was he was an uh, just a talker. Just, an, just a talker. Yeah. Um, yeah. So whereas Plato wrote a lot of plays. Yeah. Uh, and 
many of these plays, the main character is Socrates. So we, most of what we know about Socrates is from Plato. So, yeah. you know, that is, as best we know, he was yeah. forced to drink hemlock yeah. and died and yeah, uh, because yeah. some politicians were not happy uh-huh. that he was corrupting the youth with his questions. Yeah, but, yeah, he was sentenced to corrupting the youth. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if... Uh, so maybe that example is more intimidating than it should be. I don't think anyone's going to sentence you to death if you ask questions, but that, yeah. the, well, you the know... point the point was that like it doesn't have to be a confrontation. Exactly. You know, exactly. he he was being confrontational with the way he asked questions, but but yeah. like you don't have to have all this knowledge going in. Exactly. You just you just have to be an incessant yeah. question asker. And make it not like the goal is not to beat yeah. somebody. The goal is not to prove why why liberals and democrats are right and conservatives and republicans are wrong mm-hmm. you know it's to like because because you never you won't get anything anywhere politically speaking if we want to be specific with politics you're not going to get anywhere that way the only way you get anywhere politically speaking you know unless you're in a um a tyrannical system uh the only way you get anywhere is is through compromise um, and I think so many people have forgotten that mm-hmm. or they don't care, um, because and, and, and it's funny, we mentioned the idea or, or the, the part about Socrates being sentenced to death for, um, corrupting the minds of the youth. I feel like that's a lot of, there is a, an idea going around today that would maybe not sentence you to death for that. But this idea of censorship mm-hmm. is kind of based around that idea that that we we censor you because you're in in our current political environment. I see a lot of the arguments for like the removal of certain mm-hmm. uh, social media pages mm-hmm. or or mm-hmm. or not not pages but people off social media mm-hmm. or like the shutting down of certain things on social media i see a lot of the arguments for that being an argument of well you don't want to corrupt people you don't want to give people you know the wrong information and then they go around believing it sure you know and it's like so so i i actually think that's a really good um point to bring up or whatever how ridiculous it sounds that socrates was put to death for corrupting the youth and I very much feel like we're in a spot in our culture where that is not, you know, that that idea of corrupting the youth. Well, you don't you, know? you don't have to kill anyone anymore to silence their opinion. You exactly, just, you can just deplatform them. Yeah, and yeah. then they're they're really cut off from any meaningful discourse yeah. with the, the 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 public. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you don't have to. You know, Socrates, you couldn't get him out of the streets. Sure, yeah, know, without, yeah, you can't. And, well, you could, you just had to kill him right. to get him out of the I mean, streets. That was, that was the only permanent solution. Yeah, he, yeah. You couldn't just ban him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's interesting, this idea of censorship, because I, I think that there's, um, there's a lot of... There are authoritarian leanings uh, towards censorship. Mm-hmm on both sides of the aisle i believe right now and it's kind of creepy because i i'm very concerned about sort of a lot of the authoritarianism that i'm seeing emerge uh, on both sides mm-hmm. of the aisle at least insofar as the opinions that are represented to be the opinions of 
the people that representatives in Congress are representing. Yeah. Um, on on either side, they're they're very strong authoritarian uh, sort of leanings where you know they want you know the powers that be or the government to be able to enforce somewhat draconian measures. Yeah. Uh, so like if you if you think about like what is like um obviously i mean there there are certain types of opinions in media that uh historically have been uh our society has been historically prejudiced against mm-hmm. um from maybe sort of a conservative ideology where mm-hmm. um you didn't want to have certain uh certain uh maybe certain ethnic groups weren't represented in media or certain mm-hmm. sexualities weren't mm-hmm. represented were actively suppressed mm-hmm. certain types of rebellious attitudes like in the 90s yeah, yeah. um and all that with uh with sort of like uh like they were trying to ban hip-hop in the 90s because oh, it was yeah. too you know yeah. so lots of that stuff so historically if you look at it uh there's been a very strong movement historically mm-hmm. in our culture to shut things down that were different or strange yeah um but because they were considered deviant mm-hmm. but now that our culture has evolved so that there's at this point either equal uh population that mm-hmm. believes all those things all those allegedly you know deviant things are normal mm-hmm. there may even be slightly more people now that believe those things are normal and mm-hmm. the crowd that was trying to suppress them before, maybe they're in the minority now. Yeah. But now we have things moving in the opposite direction too. Yeah. Where you have now uh, people being taken down off of platforms and silenced. Mm-hmm. And then also anyone who represents what's considered uh, now to be deviant opinions, mm-hmm. uh, their shows and programming and mm-hmm. you know media representations are being canceled yeah. and, and taken offline. Yeah. It's being yeah. called cancel culture, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, well, and it, it is it is a little bit hypocritical that conservative media gets so up in arms about quote cancel culture. I hate I hate that phrase. Right? Yeah. Because it's not any different than what they've done historically. Sure. And it's just the only thing that's changed is that the power dynamic is not in their favor anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it, but it, but it strikes me that now that the power balance is shifting in the opposite direction, that, that the first instinct is to do the exact same things that, that made there. Nobody learned anything. Yeah. That made other people that made people who believed in the other things like so, so mad. And so Mm -hmm. repressed. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, I, I grew up thinking, I mean, really chafing at the collar about how ridiculous I thought all the rules were yeah. uh, about things like, you know, marijuana laws mm-hmm. and, you know, gay marriage and, and mm-hmm. all that stuff and, and you know, uh, other things like that. I mean, it just blew my mind that people thought that that was, you know, evil or wrong or, yeah. that, you know, yeah. needed to be suppressed or hidden away or treated yeah. or criminalized. And, yeah. And now, you know, that all that, that we're, the society is shifting away from those types mm-hmm. of beliefs, you know, now I'm concerned that we have people canceling conservative viewpoints and just, like, trying to push those down in a way. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I'm a big believer in free speech, and, and I think that there should be that, that rich dialogue mm-hmm. of both viewpoints. And, and when you try to cancel or suppress 
or censor a particular I, voice of a, for, yeah. of a person, then that's just going to entrench people in that belief. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You, you isolate people, alienate them, and you shut them off. Mm-hmm. And they on, things only get worse <laughs> from there. And now they have no choice but to go exactly. into their social media echo chamber where they only ever see caricatures of exactly. your ideas. And, yeah. and you're never going to... like. I don't understand. Like, if I if I if I cut someone out, mm-hmm. if I if I excise someone from the dialogue, they're never going to learn why yeah, I believe don't, you what don't I believe. Fix right? anything. Yeah, they're they're not they're not going to learn. And maybe some people, maybe some some people won't ever learn. Right. But yeah. but I will say that most people that I've engaged with, who who are very conservatively minded. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a differing opinion on something. Any, any, most of them that I've engaged with have been very willing to to have the conversation. They're not they're not stubborn about it, you know. Yeah. And, and and most of the time they're just like, oh well, I didn't, you know, I didn't I didn't think about it like that. I haven't thought about yeah. that. Now, do I change their mind? And no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I give yeah. them something to think about. And yeah, and that's like, right? yeah, that's an observation I've made myself too. And and another reason why I think this. Uh, doing a podcast is is important because um i i would consider myself more libertarian politically speaking mm-hmm. um and but but more on the conservative spectrum of, of libertarian just because i i that's kind of my background and what i grew up in um so so when i have discussions with my more liberal leaning friends you know there, there's a little you know coming up against each other with that but i've never had a conversation that has actually ended in just you know can't compromise can't you know may maybe like you know there's a subject that we can't compromise on or, or we can't come to a decision on or whatever but i've never had anybody you know "Quote unquote," cancel me in a conversation one on one. Well, I mean, you can't really do that. Right? Well, exactly. It's tough. It's tough. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's not as easy as as just kind of taking them off or or, or getting a you know a mob after them, because mm-hmm. um, you're seeing them and you're talking to them. Oh, it's like you have a real person in front of exactly. you. Exactly. Like who? Not some who, disembodied who thought on the internet. Who thought yeah. that that mattered? Yeah. yeah. Um. So so yeah, and um. And uh, another thing that I've I've realized is that I don't think I've asked both conservative people and liberal people this question of do you believe in the life in life liberty and the pursuit of happiness? Mm-hmm. No, eh, nobody has yet to say no, mm-hmm. and and everybody has said yes, mm-hmm. and so and then I'm like great, let's start there. Mm-hmm. But then the, the immediate reaction I get is well I don't think the other side thinks that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you, they do, you both do. You mm. just disagree on how to get to that. Um, and, and then some people I talk to, you know, you're talking and, and you have this great conversation, very productive, you know, you, nobody's convinced anybody, but you have some common ground. Right. And then it's like, you know, well, you know, shrug your shoulders. Ah, there's no real point to talking about this anyways, cause we can't do anything about it or whatever. And it's like, okay, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, there's we're not political figures, so we can't actually move mountains or whatever. But also, like, the problems that you don't fix today are not necessarily problems that you'll never be able to fix. They're just really hard problems to solve. 
And I think some people see really hard problems to solve. And, and obviously the easiest solution is just to beat the other side into to submission. To and just, force it. Yeah, yeah, and just do what you want to do the on that subject. force solution. Exactly, sure. exactly. And like that's the easiest solution. And the compromise solution is so much harder and so much longer that mm-hmm. it's just not worth so many people think it's not worth or they don't see an end to that i think you know i think for most people i think that progress towards changing people's minds yeah and changing kind of what's in their hearts is so slow that it's imperceptible to a lot of folks yeah and you know, we're all learning and changing all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've I've had very drastic changes of opinions on things mm-hmm. uh, in the last 10 years or so. and it, But the things that took a long time to come there, and it was after repeated exposure to, to, to reasoning and dialogue uh, supporting the other, you know, side of an issue that I might have been on mm-hmm. uh, that ultimately allowed me to think deeply o- enough on it to actually think, well, maybe maybe I am my idea on it isn't good. You know, yeah. I don't have yeah. a good opinion of that or, or I misunderstood it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, I, I, you know, I just I just think differently now. And um, mm-hmm. so it is it is, I think, a lot of times difficult to see that change occurring because it is such a slow growth yeah um but anytime someone has just told me i can't do something yeah uh, i i do very i get i I get very dug in (laughs) right i'm like i'm like you know fuck you yeah of course i can yeah i'll do it if i want yeah exactly so um but you know if it's some if it's a slow and steady pressure you know eventually i might reconsider uh, and, and change my mind. But I do want to take a moment because I think that um, I, I, I don't want to come off the wrong way sure. because I think, you know, we're, we're using these very extreme examples yes. of like yeah. liberals and conservatives yeah. and whatever, yeah. right? You know, and so, I mean, you know, we're using these examples. They're, they're examples that are very commonly talked about in the media, but it's not a black and white thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's a million different viewpoints and a million different types of people. Yeah. Um, uh, those are just the two easiest to yeah. latch on ideal, kind ideologically of kind of a little to bit. what we're yeah. talking about. But, um, you know, I don't think I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not here to say I know what's right. Yeah. You know, I'm not yeah. here to say that, you know, I have a better way of doing things necessarily. Yeah. It's just like, you know, I would like to try this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like I, to try talking. Yeah. Um, I would like to try discussion. I've, I've done it myself mm-hmm. and I have found it very helpful. Right. So yeah. it's, it's, it's not about saying this is what should happen. It's yeah. just, I've, I've done this and I have found it to be very meaningful in my life and very helpful in relating to people with different opinions than myself. Yes. And so, um, before we get to, yes. two on our, our very our well said. Yeah. And, no, no uh, kidding. Yeah. I it. was, I was worried, uh, uh <laughs> because, um, and, and, uh, Alex and I were having a discussion before, you know, I pressed record or whatever. Um, and I was telling him that, that the first podcast or the first, I guess I wanted to have on was somebody who was, completely the opposite uh way of thinking of than i um and and i i definitely appreciate you saying that alex because it it's it's it can be easy 
because uh, we we seem to be a little more yeah we're kind of on the same wavelength uh, on the same wavelength yeah. uh, to to make this into a sort of you know snake eating its own tail sort of thing yeah and i don't i yeah i definitely don't want this to be that and i definitely don't think i have the right answer to all of our our political issues uh, you know especially. oh certainly not yeah not yeah issues. um you know and in fact like i was saying before like i don't know any i know very little yeah. about the current yeah. politics or what's going on you know there have been some major news events that have happened and i had no idea they even happened until a few days later so, okay so you're really like i'm kinda, really like the, the only bunker, time the only right? time i get on social media is to check my my facebook messages to see if anybody's messaged me for any ungodly reason um <laughs> and to post on instagram like music stuff okay um that's the only time I, I get on, and, and, and I do that all on my computer. None of it's on my phone. The only time I'm on social media is when I'm on social media to do social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I promise yeah. I'm not on it that much. Yeah, yeah. No, that's... That, yeah. But anyways, yeah. So, so yeah. Just to, so we can step off our soapboxes here um, on that one. Uh, definitely. Um, well said. So, so yeah. Um I think this might be a good segue into uh, something I did want to ask you about because I, I was reading your bio um, and cryptocurrencies is something that I've been getting into for the past uh, three three months or so yeah. um, and I've been really excited about uh, just because of just all the potentials I see happening in, in, in the crypto universe uh, with the technology, specifically with the technology. Um and you mentioned in your bio looking into NFTs as as a way to kind of uh, change sort of the music industry or certain as aspects of the music industry. Um, and as somebody who's in music, I'm very curious to because I, I don't know a whole lot about NFTs. I'm kind of like after the whole Taco Bell thing. Oh no! I kind of yeah. There I was saw the, that. Yeah, there was the Taco Bell thing, and then there there were Did they have like a like a Gordita NFT or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely and then, wild and then there were some there was a group of people who who bought this famous drawing for like 80 grand or something like that and they then they turned it into an nft and then they burned it yeah and then they sold Bur it burnt banksy yeah banksy. yeah 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 and it's it was a it was a banksy print um yeah which is like it was a print of an auction and they were auctioning off a framed uh, you people actually buy this, you know, this yes. shit. Yeah, 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 is what yeah. it said, and yeah. they, they burned it. And, they... and I, I had sold questions for... about that. They yeah. sold it for a lot. Yeah, it and was like three hundred thousand or something. It like was that. something. It was yeah. a lot. Yeah, and they've sold three of them, right? I don't know or how many just they the... sold. I think they I just sold they the sold... one. Oh, okay, okay. But um, I um, mean, now they may have done it with other Banksies. Okay. I don't okay. know because I mean they're they're called burnt burnt Banksy. I don't know if they've done it multiple times. I do remember yeah. following on that one. I had questions about that from a legal perspective because. And, and and this is something that comes up with NFTs, and maybe I'm 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 putting the cart before the horse here, but sure. um, uh, I th I think I'll start. I, I I had copyright questions just because just because you own a piece of art doesn't mean you own the copyright to it. Yeah, but and you can I, distribute. I'm it. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna huh. I'm gonna just put that thought there. I'm gonna put it on the <laughs> shelf, right? Because I wanted to say what I was gonna say before I lost train of thought, and I'm gonna back it all up. Sure. Because I don't know how much context the pe people listening to this may have yeah. for 
NFTs and crypto, like yeah, all, like we were talking. It, it would be a know, good idea to ex- like, explain it, a little more. We were, we were just some, some, some weird libertarians bitching about how no <laughs> one talks to each other anymore, and now all of a sudden we're talking about crypto. But yeah. like, um, so like the first thing to know about NFTs is that they're badly named. Uh, NFT stands for non-fungible token, which is just the worst marketing okay. uh, name in the world. Because when you say non-fungible token, then you have to go, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. Uh, and then you have to explain what that means. And and, and the, wor- the worst part of it is that no one knows what fungible means, right? Listen, fungible is a word that I encountered in law school for the first <laughs> time. And it was like, it was in some case I was reading and they were talking about how something is or isn't fungible. And that was the basis of some ruling. And I went, I had to go Google it, right? Yeah. So like fungible are things that can be freely exchanged for other goods that are like them. Um, and, and you don't care which one you have. So like if I have a hundred dollar bill yeah. and you have a hundred dollar bill and we trade hundred dollar bills, it doesn't matter. Like we both have a hundo okay. in our pocket. I don't know why we have cash, but let's say we did have yeah, cash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cause we're and, talking about crypto here. Yeah. yeah so, so have- I, if I have a Benjamin, yeah. right. Or if you have five twenties, I give you my hundred dollar bill, you give me five twenties. I still get a hundred bucks. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. so money is fungible. Because, you know, if I have a bank account with a million dollars and then I trade bank, I trade the million dollars out for a different million dollars, like it's a different set of ones and zeros, but like it doesn't matter. I have a million bucks. I can do yeah. the, all of the exact same things with that million dollars I as I could with any other million dollars. Okay. So something that is non-fungible mm-hmm. is not that. So if you have... <laughs> what? Yeah. Wow. If you have an original like Renoir painting. Yeah. And... uh let me let me let me back up. If you have an original Van Gogh painting, how about that? Like, um, uh-huh. you know, there's only one of that original. Yeah. Right. So, like, let's say you have a different Van Gogh painting. Yeah. You know, I, I may not want to trade my Van Gogh painting for yours. Yeah. Because they're com- they're completely different paintings. Yeah. Right. Like I'm, you know, I we could I borrow think, them. Yeah, I'm sitting here like, let me. I was like, let me change to an artist that I know the names of some of their art, and then I went, ah, shoot, I can't think. Yeah, on the spot, I can't think. <laughs> yeah, of the and now name it sounds like we're trading Van Goghs yeah. back and forth. It's just the same Van Gogh, but yeah, yeah. Okay, like let's say I paint a smiley face on a piece of paper, and yeah. some are, and the Met says that it's worth a hundred thousand dollars, and yeah. you, you paint a frowny face, uh-huh. and the Met says it's worth a hundred thousand dollars, and it's like, well, I like my frowny face, right? Yeah, it's not the same as your as your is your yeah. Even though they're face, valued at the same, whichever one we had. Yeah, I'm making a mess of this. You, yeah, you you just, you, you had you the just, smiley you face. Just cut all I this had out. The frowny face. You just cut all this no, out. No, it's all good. But like, um, <laughs> anyway. So <laughs> the point is, is that like something that's non fungible, it can't be freely traded. Yeah. Because there's only one of it. It's unique. It's yeah. a unique object. This mm-hmm. is my particular original painting. You know, I don't want any other painting in the world because no other painting in the world is like it. Another thing that's non fungible, like real estate, like the piece of land and the house that we're sitting in mm-hmm. is different from any other piece of land or house on the planet. Yeah. Right? It cannot be exchanged because anything, any other piece of property you trade it for is going to have different properties. So they're non-fungible. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So now we have that out of the way. Yeah. We have defined non-fungible. Yeah. See why it's badly named? Because it takes like a 10 minute conversation <laughs> even to understand yeah. what the, what the core word in the name is. Yeah. So then yeah. a non-fungible token. So, um, what what a non fungible token is is that just means that it's something that's non fungible, that's on the blockchain. Yeah. And the blockchain Basically any token ever, right? Because because most tokens the the reason why 
I mean, if, if you know, of course, Bitcoin mm-hmm. is because there's only a select amount of Bitcoin that will ever be. Well, but Bitcoins are fungible. Right? Because you can, because it doesn't like, matter which one I you have, have. Yeah, if I have one I see, Bitcoin. I see, okay. Yeah, as, okay. as of this podcast, if I have one Bitcoin, it's worth like $56,000. If yeah. we traded Bitcoins, like technically they're different ledger entries. They've been yeah. mined at different points. Um, but but I don't care. They're both $56,000 worth of Bitcoin. Right? Yeah, okay. Um, All right. That's so they're, they're fungible. Um, the most common blockchain that's used, uh, for NFTs is Ethereum. Yeah. Um, because Bitcoin just does money or it just does store of value is the narrative we're doing right now. Yeah. And so all that's on the Bitcoin network is Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, on Ethereum, it's open source and you can build new platforms and decentralized applications. Yeah. and, And all sorts of different things. And you can create tokens that do sort of anything. So on Ethereum, there is a, a certain token. It's called Ether. Mm-hmm. And that is fungible because Ether is value. And it's used to transact on the network. So it takes some Ether, gets burned or 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 sent to miners in order to use the bandwidth on the network. Yeah. So it's a commodity. Mm-hmm. And um, it has value, but I don't care which Ether I have. Yeah, I have I have ether. I have so I have it's any still other fungible. Ether. So it's fungible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if but there's a, another type of token that's on the Ethereum blockchain that's called an ERC twenty token. Excuse me. And what I can do with an ERC twenty token is I can embed into that token a painting or a picture mm-hmm. or a poem or a song, and I can have a token that represents that piece of art. And so what that means now is that that ERC-20 token is now, it's non-fungible because it's representative of a one-of-a-kind piece of art. Yeah. And so it's not like money it's 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 more analogous to the paintings we're talking about in real world so so an nft is kind of like the blockchain trying it's already emulates value and money so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like it's emulating real world physical goods that have unique values yeah and unique characteristics yeah um so something that that makes that interesting is that it doesn't just have to be art uh you can store contracts on non-fungible tokens and you can also program NFTs and ERC-20 tokens. You can program them with what's called smart contracts, where the, 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 the token will um, automatically behave in a certain way based yeah. on a particular parameter. So if I were to take a painting that I made yeah, and... Say it's a digital painting. I, I make a digital painting and I make a token out of it, and then I delete the file so that the token's the only, the only record of that yeah. painting that yeah. exists. And I then sell that for like one ether, um, uh-huh. and I get that. Well, I can put a smart contract in that NFT that says every time that NFT gets resold, I get ten percent of the ether that it's sold for. Right. Oh. And that, that happens automatically. You know, it's agnostic to who owns it yeah. or who it's being sold yeah. to. Um, it's just if that subsequent owner decides to resell it, maybe for a profit, yeah. even, then 10% of all the proceeds that they receive for purchase for when they sell that go automatically to go to me. So now I'm thinking, okay, 
what if we're selling something that has legal significance instead of like a piece of art? Yeah. So I think of copyrights. Yeah. And I think of royalty streams. Yeah. And think of royalty revenues. Because right now, I got to tell you, copyright is a freaking dumpster fire. Yeah. Um, because who owns what? Good luck. Good yeah. luck figuring it out. Yeah. There's there's uh like a billion dollars that I mean I don't That's I don't know the exact number. There's like there's whatever. there's it's like twenty percent of royalties yeah. go into a black box and disappear because no one knows who to pay it to. Oh yeah. I filled out cue sheets. Yeah. I like I, yeah. I know how fucking the it's the, the metadata is a nightmare. Yeah. Um and no one's really doing as good of a job keeping the records as everyone thinks they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And there's bad data in there. You know, if I, if I enter the data wrong and then it goes downstream, mm-hmm. I mean, look, you've got um, a lot of these companies. It's like, I have to manually enter the data. I'm transmitting it to another company. There's no standardized uh, format for song royalty data yeah. between all the major companies that keep track of it. So when I send it, let's like, if I send, if I like write some, if, if I'm a music publisher, yeah. I may have one Excel spreadsheet that, ex, that keeps track of the song data, mm-hmm. metadata that I keep up with. And if I want to send it to ASCAP, ASCAP has a different format that they do it. And then BMI has a different format. And then let, like, you know, if CCMG want to know, like, what my metadata is. They want me to put it into a different format. So every time that happens and the data has to change format, there's human error. Yeah. You know, there's a, there, you could lose data. Yeah. You know, you could have artists who get cut off. Maybe there's four artists on a song, but mm-hmm. the spreadsheet you're importing to only has room for three artists. So that mm-hmm. fourth artist just gets cut off. No one realizes it until yeah. later. Yeah. And now there's, 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 yeah. And now there's like three, three points on this album that aren't going anywhere. And everyone's like, who does this 3% belong to? And it's like, well, I don't know. It's not on the spreadsheet. Right. <laughs> so, what you can do with smart contracts and blockchain mm-hmm. is that you can put your royalty metadata into a token and you can even make it so that everyone who has an interest in a particular song, let's say, for example, let's say you have a song and you have a guitarist and a bassist and a singer and a drummer. Yeah. And so these four people all have 25% ownership of the song. And so what I can do is I can create a song rights token and I can create four 25% ownership tokens. Um, and so I can sell... So so the idea is that all the royalties now can flow through the song rights token, which tells you all the data and metadata and ownership mm-hmm. information um, for that song. Yeah. The royalties can flow through that channel and then it automatically gets distributed to your yeah. four artists and your yeah. four artists own their token right mm-hmm. that is worth 25 percent of the song yeah if the artist wants to sell their royalties they can sell the token yeah and yeah. what's interesting about a blockchain is that a good proper decentralized blockchain is publicly visible to everyone yep it's a distributed ledger so all the information that's on the blockchain is all it's it's fully auditable mm-hmm. by anyone anywhere yeah so if i want to know let's say the guitarist yeah. sells their 25 percent to like a fan right? yeah they they divide it up maybe they divide it up into 100 individual tokens that are each worth 0.25 percent and mm-hmm. sells it to 100 different fans for however much money and now all those fans own rights and let's say, you know, this has gone on for eight or ten years, 
and all of the copyright and ownership has been chopped up and divided and any number of ways, way right? That. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. well, on the blockchain, it's all flowing automatically every time I do that because the smart contracts are auto-routing all yep. the copyright mm-hmm. royalties and information. And you don't have and if, people. And yeah, no, those, there's no, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, there may be some user error when I'm actually creating the tokens, dividing them up, but, you know, I can yeah. go in and I can audit the tokens. I can be like, has there been some error, right? Yeah, yeah. And anyone can do that, but like, Let's say that I'm someone who wants to license the song now mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's been 25 years and I'm like, who owns the rights to this? Who can I license this from? Yeah. You yeah. Know? And, and so I can go look into the block. The blockchain will just, just keeps track of it. Yeah. It's, it's there. Yeah. And, you can and I can just... see every time it's changed hands yep. through all of time to arrive with the person it's at. So I know, first of all, who I'm licensing you from. Mm-hmm. I also can study their providence. Their, their their chain of ownership. I can audit it all the way back to the original tokens and verify that that person does have the rights to license that music. Yeah. Right? yeah. Whereas the system that exists now, it's just a bunch of people with contracts yeah. signing pieces of paper that go into a filing cabinet or if you're, if you're lucky enough on a hard drive or a cloud somewhere, yeah. locked away in a database that no one can ever see and it, maybe they file a, a, an amended copyright with the copyright office, like a, a notice of transfer of ownership. Maybe. If you're lucky, right? Yeah. Good luck. Because yeah. a lot of times that doesn't happen. Um, and even if it is being filed, it can take a year before it even shows up properly. Hmm. Um, and so, and then you have to ask, like anybody can file that stuff with the copyright office. And, yeah. you know, it may not always be right because, mm-hmm. you know, the copyright office does a lot of work and, they can't follow up on every single transfer to mm-hmm. verify that they're all 100% above board. So, so you know, there may be a lot of bad data in there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that there is. I'm not saying that there is. Yeah. But there could be. So, the idea with a non-fungible token is that it's all open, it's public, open, yeah. and, and it doesn't rely on scribbling on a piece of paper, stuffing it in a box somewhere, and then later on you assert, like, oh, I own this. Right? Yeah. I yeah. own, and, and I have to take your word for it that you own this. Yeah. Right. And half the time I can't even find who can't, who does own it. Exactly. And then, and yeah. then if they, if someone does own it, well, who are you supposed to pay? Like who, who, who's supposed to get the royalties, right? Cause just cause you own the copyright doesn't mean you get all the money. Yeah. It's like, is there, you know, who are the third parties responsible? And then it's like, if I'm a musician and I, and I, let's say I'm a musician and I sold my copyright to a recording company. Or to a music publisher, if I'm a songwriter. I sold it to a music publisher, and then that music publisher went bust and got gobbled up by a larger music publisher, who then assigned the copyrights to an administrator, you know, who then has sub-publishers around the world. I'm I'm getting a royalty check in the mail that just says, here's the number of times it was played or sold or whatever, and here's how much money we owe you. And I'm like, I just got to take their word for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That all of that garbage that's going on is right. Yeah. And, you know, here, here, here's the thing. It's probably not. Yeah. It's probably not. We know it's not because, like, 20% of royalties just disappear. Yeah. So, um, and, and the only way for me to audit that, I have to hire an auditor. Mm-hmm. Go audit this big, giant record company. Yeah. Right? Good yeah. luck. Yeah. You know? And then yeah. I, I can only do it with so much time. Like, I only have so much time after I get the check to do it. 
And if I don't catch the problem, then like I waive it in with the most contracts. So it's just it's just really opaque the way it works right now. Yeah, and it's really inefficient and it's overly reliant on on just humans. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's it's a system that's built around good faith and trust. Yeah, in the people that you're transacting with, not to screw you over. And your remedies, if they do screw you over, are burdensome and expensive and slow. Yeah, and so. You know, I mean, I want to audit this company. I got to hire an attorney first to even tell me how to audit them. Then I have to, you know, hire a professional auditor, maybe a whole firm of auditors, and then you know they got to go look at the books. But if it's all on a blockchain, it's all public. Yeah, it's public distributed. Download it. Take a look. You can, or you know, I mean, you probably will still have to hire someone who cannot, who has the specialized skills, right? But you don't have to deal with all this absolute nonsense about yeah. um whether or not you can or should or what the what the priority is or how you know because you know can i get access yeah. to can i get access to warner chapel's books i don't know you know i gotta assert yeah. my rights but if it's on a public blockchain i don't have to get anyone's permission i just i'm like hey can you yeah. audit this for me to make sure i'm not i'm getting what my smart contract is supposed to be giving me yeah and make sure no one's fiddled around with the with the token and so all of that is all of that is is possible with non-fungible tokens because mm-hmm. I have an NFT that's representative of the copyright. Yeah. Right? And and so it's non-fungible because that's my song. It's There's only one song. It's copyright to my song. It, you know, if I trade it, I'm getting a different song. It's not the same. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, you know, so then it codifies the rights and then it automates the stream of the royalties and everything. Yeah. That's, that's the first thing that I think is really uh, interesting and that could be very revolutionary. Um, I think it's going to be very difficult to get there because the the music industry, the recording industry, is very resistant to change and very resistant to new technology. You don't uh, say. Yeah. Uh, Napster, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The, the, the slow and still ongoing death of the CD. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, streaming. I mean, it's all, it's an uphill battle every time there's a new technology or format. And, oh, yeah. and then there's, you know, about a billion dollars with a legal fights yeah. over it all. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's really exciting. everybody is worried about the royalties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what's going to happen with blockchain, I think, is you're probably going to have, there already are some companies that are doing this, but you're just going to have like a music publisher who you know gets their own blockchain developers together and they build their own they're like hey here's how we're going to do music publishing yeah and so anyone we transact with is going to need to play by our rules you know and so we'll we'll interface them with the blockchain yeah so um i don't know exactly how it will work yeah uh to get any sort of mass adoption for that type of thing but i think it would be a big solution for uh for Keeping up with rights and keeping up with royalties. I would agree. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And I, I mean, I kind of have to take your word for it because I, you know, I don't know about publishing like you do. Um, and, and I guess one question I have, because this is something I've been thinking a lot about with cryptocurrencies as I've been learning more about it. And the fact that there are just a bazillion tokens running on the ETH uh, network. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, you know... The, the idea, you know, of of cryptocurrencies or I guess Bitcoin specifically taking a store of value and then you have the, all these other competitors of store value and then like some not all of them are competitors of store value. Let's, uh, I, don't, I don't think that. But anyways, the idea that you have a billion different, you know, not actually a billion, but, you know, a lot of different tokens on on the 
ETH platform. And it's like, okay, basically you got a bunch of different companies, bunch of different small companies, all trying to make it. You know, eventually, like, time will weed, you would think, time would weed some of them out, or the whole thing's just mm. going to collapse because there's too much, mm. right? You Like, the idea of having, like, a single token that you just trade with somebody else. Right. And then, but then these people got their token over here and these mm. people got their token over here. So if I want to trade it, I got to exchange this for that token. Mm. And then there's a gas fee, you know, and, um, Uniswap. Which, which, yeah, thank you, Uniswap. <laughs> well, um, let's, okay. let's, not, freaking, let's not blame Uniswap. I'm just saying that that's where you would do that, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I want to swap yeah, yeah. one token for another, one ERC20 um, for another. Yeah. ETH, you got to get on those gas fees. Come on, guys. And they're working um, on it. They're working uh, on it. They're trying to. Yeah. Um, yeah uh that's not um but uh anyways so so basically you know you've got all these different tokens and it's like if i want to use this over here i got to go exchange it for that Mm -hmm. token to use it on that chain or whatever um and so with this idea of publishers basically doing you have this micro representation of that same atmosphere that i'm kind of worried about Mm -hmm. because i'm wondering how this will stand you know um, and so I'm wondering, what do you think about the idea of, you know, a bunch of different publishers? Because part of the reason or pro- one of the problems you brought up was that, you know, uh, ASCAP and BMI all have their different formats that you mm-hmm. have to reformat to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how I, I see NFTs kind of fixing sort of the human error side of that. But if you have a bunch of different publishers doing using different formats, yeah, creating their own, y- yeah, yeah, own then, then you don't get own. rid of the format thing. Well, I think you are pointing out something that is a kind of a, a bit, you know, it's it's a unique situation that we have going on in the crypto world right now. Is that we have a, a an ongoing battle of yeah. the protocols. Yeah. So the base layer programming and functionality of all of these different blockchain technologies um many of them are competing some a lot of them are complementary mm-hmm. um many of them solve completely different problems so they're not really in competition with one another yeah but the question is you know i mean there there is extremely frequently there are multiple types of crypto and blockchain that are attempting to solve the same problem but using different protocols right yeah so usually what happens is um, there will be a winner-takes-most situation, mm-hmm. I, I think. What's going to happen is just over time, you'll have, like, this blockchain is used for this. This blockchain is used for that. Like, yeah. like you know, you have, you have like, for if you take Bitcoin, for example, Bitcoin used to be trying to be a currency. Yeah. Um, a lot, most, I mean, there's still people who are out there who are, who are who are pushing for that with like new technologies like the Lightning Network and trying to make transactions cheaper and more efficient. But yeah. um, for the most part, it's become a gold. Yeah, kind it of definitely seems more like a store, like a value. store of value. Um, but there are there have been a million other cryptos that have tried to take that currency sort of um, analog, that that currency substitute. Uh, position from Bitcoin while Bitcoin is trying to do it like Nano uh, is one I can think of. Bitcoin Cash there's actually been some hard forks inside of Bitcoin that have yeah. tried to make it more currency like yeah. uh, what Bitcoin Satoshi Vision or something like really? that and, yeah B- I think it's called it's BSV or something and so um, you have a bunch of other cryptos that were trying to do that and most of those are I mean you know I'm sorry if you're a 
Bitcoin Cash maximalist out there listening, uh, but your blockchain is not doing very well, mm-hmm. um, and there's not a lot of people using it. Uh, and part of the reason is is that if people people who want to use crypto as a currency are using you know U.S. dollar tether or U.S. Mm-hmm. dollar coin right now, yeah, because they're pegged to the dollar. They're coins yeah. that are pegged to the dollar. They have all the advantages of currency and have all the stability of the fiat that they're pe- pegged to, which is that it's very stable in going down in value. Um, but it is stable, right? It's always a dollar. Yeah. I know what it's going to yeah. be worth. You know, it's yeah. going to be worth a dollar. Now, what's the dollar going to be worth? I don't know. Oh, but, uh, you know, Bitcoin swings pretty good, pretty yeah. pretty, pretty wildly up and down. You know, Ethereum okay. and all these other yeah. coins go yeah, up and down even like more a... violently yeah. than Bitcoin. But a U.S. dollar coin or a U.S. dollar tether... Um, like one USDT is always uh-huh. going to be worth one dollar. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of winning the cash analog. Yeah. Right now, Bitcoin's winning store of value, and so oh, all yeah. the other blockchains that are trying to do those things are not doing very well. Yeah. Um, and they're not seeing wide adoption. So you've seen, um, so what you're seeing is you're seeing a winner takes most playing mm-hmm. out right now. Um, so I think that that's going to continue to happen. Anytime you have blockchains that compete, you'll probably have one that becomes dominant, at least for a while. Um, and then that's the one that people use. Kind of like, if you think about it, uh, you know, most people use Google Chrome yeah. on their computer. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's usually um, compatible with everything else. Yeah. And, and it's to these companies' uh, advantage to create things, even if you even if you want to produce a browser that isn't Google Chrome, it's to your advantage to make everything as compatible as possible with Google Chrome. Yeah. At least to make the, the transition easier. Yeah. So I'm hoping that because we're dealing with a, a sector, a technology sector that's much more adaptable, much faster moving much younger and newer Mm -hmm. than the recording industry. Yeah. uh, Which is built on uh, entities that have existed since, you know, the early 1900s. Yeah, yeah. uh, That if there does, if if one protocol is just clearly superior, everyone will either adopt it or they will build, if they're building their own protocol, they'll make it, they'll mimic it. They'll make it back compatible or they'll make sure that all that integration is built in. Yeah. Um, and that everything will be a lot more elastic and adaptable. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's 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 questionable. I think it's a valid concern. Like, well, how do we know that we're not going to have that same problem? That's a good question. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just have to have faith that like whoever's building this stuff is trying to build it in the best way possible since they're getting a fresh start. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, it's not. It's not that it is the answer or will be the answer. It's that it provides an answer mm-hmm. and and provided the people uh, build it in the way that serves its intended purpose, mm-hmm. you know, it, it will be really helpful, especially for, you know, uh, music people who are not business people. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, I mean, I could probably build, I mean, I mean, you know, I haven't really thought about it, but I could probably build, you know, you talked about Chainlink earlier, which Chainlink is an Oracle protocol, but yeah. actually it, it allows data to flow from, from outside of a blockchain yeah. into a blockchain, mm-hmm. you could probably build um, a blockchain protocol that once I that 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 aggregates all of the name and all of the data entry fields for all of the major music publishing uh, formats, and you could just put it into uh, an NFT, and then it would use an oracle to push that data out to all the non-blockchain entities. Yeah, and then you may actually have it so that I could build a, a blockchain protocol 
that then, that uh, plays nice yeah. with everything that already exists in music publishing. Yeah. But then, but then, still has the transparency and auditability. Yeah. Of the blockchain, at least insofar as the work that 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 token's doing. Because for, your for Oracle network would mm-hmm. then translate it. And it can report, into, yeah, and then yeah. and then it's freely auditable because I can go see like what did they send to ASCAP? Yeah. What did they send to to BMI? You know, what did they send to yeah. to these different entities? And I could see what did they send to Harry Fox. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see what they send, and I can look at the data. Yeah, because it's on the blockchain. It's free. I can free. It's free mm-hmm. to see it. Right. Could that potentially be a faster way to get to this issue rather than just making everything on the blockchain mm-hmm. with NFTs? Mm-hmm. Um, but in, instead, coming up with a an Oracle network mm-hmm. that can well, communicate between ASCAP, BMI. It's, and, you know, that's an interesting question. You know, um, I, anytime you have a new technology, I think it tends to mimic the technology that came before it and it's gonna be to your benefit to bootstrap it to the existing infrastructure yeah um and then to like a cancer slowly consume (laughs) the existing infrastructure nice metaphor yeah uh so except like a very nice cancer yeah yeah a friendly one yeah a friendly neighborhood cancer yeah um so I don't know. That's probably a good solution. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been. Yeah. I just thought I haven't been thinking about that. I yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I, know, I had neither. Probably with oracles. Yeah. You yeah. Make this work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so listen. If you out there want to license <laughs> that idea from me, uh, you don't have to because I'm, it, I'm publicly talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no. There's there's no ownership. Value there's no. That. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bummer, man. Yeah. Should have kept I, that one a secret. Yeah, ideas are not copyrightable. I'm sorry, guys. Ah, shit. You learned something today. There's your Whoa. lawyer fact of the day. Dang it. Yeah. yeah. Man. Um, yeah. Yeah. Would have been good to keep that one in, in the back yeah. pocket, you know? Become yeah. a I'm gazillionaire. Gonna, I'm not going to do it. Listen, yeah. ideas are cheap. Okay? Yeah. Execution is hard. Mm. Uh, I think I think that's, that's really... Uh, a lot of people overestimate how simple things are because they don't have a, a good understanding of them. Yeah. Um, and and so I think a lot of people have a lot of really great ideas, and then they never do anything with them, and it's because it's hard. It's hard yeah. to execute. So like, look, I'm not going to go build the the blockchain music <laughs> publisher of <laughs> yeah. the world. So yeah. if you're yeah. out there doing it, you know, Please. give me a call. We yeah. can talk. Yeah. You know, yeah. You got my Twitter handle. Yeah. There uh, you go. Yeah. Read the bio. <laughs> follow DM, the Instagram page. Come come into my DMs. Yeah. Slide um, into those. But uh, I'm not going to do it. But I'll, yeah. I'm you know. But maybe I can help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's hope somebody is because there cause are, I mean, I've actually, me. there's one company I was following that are selling, they're selling NFT representations of copyright and they have some royalty flow that's going through the blockchain. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, they're, they're not, I wasn't able to find a lot of data on exactly how it all works. Um, okay. but, um, so I was the- interested to see that there is a company out there that just did like an auction for that, mm-hmm. um, for song rights, uh, for some, I think there's some British like hip hop artists. Okay. They recently did it. Um, and they were NFTs? What was it? I think it was Blue Box. Was it BlueBox.io, I think? Did huh. it. Yeah, they sold they sold ERC-20 NFTs of 1% copyright ownership of these different, of these two different songs by these two different uh, hip-hop artists. God bless they those guys. Out like, Man, they forward like thinking. UK. Yeah, but I, you know, but I don't know how their blockchain works or how it integrates with music publishing or how yeah. the royalty flow works. You know, yeah. I mean, so there's people out there doing it. Yeah, right. Yeah, especially right now since in a, the NFT trend. Oh, has yeah. taken over the world. Yeah, no kidding, jeepers. So, I, yeah, you know, I, 
you know, I, so I get asked kept newsletters. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think there's been two different times in the last month and a half or two months where NFTs have been the top headline on that newsletter. Really? Yeah. There's something about it, NFTs. It's either through Billboard or some other article yeah. talking about it. I think that's how I heard about the Blue Box thing. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. I think, I think so, though. And so they link to these different articles about NFTs. And I'm thinking, this newsletter goes out to everyone who yeah. has an ASCAP membership, which if you're not involved in music, that's every musician in the world that's yeah. working. Yeah. Um, every music publisher in the world that's working. I mean, may- maybe every musician doesn't have that. Some of them do BMI. But, Some of them do BMI. Um, but every CSI. music publisher yeah. is with both ASCAP and BMI. So every music publisher, most of the, most of the artists and musicians are getting this newsletter. Yeah. So this idea is out there and it's spreading. It's, it's out there and, and it's most it's a lot of people's first exposure to crypto and blockchain yeah. at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's really exploding right now and then you have and then you have wild stuff like people selling for his five thousand days Beeple? for sixty nine million dollars. Yeah, Be- Beeple's a digital artist. Oh, okay. And he's creating NFTs of digital paintings that he makes, oh. uh, and he's been making digital paintings one a day for like fourteen years, I think. Wow. And so he had one NFT that had all five thousand of his dailies in one file in one NFT. And it was auctioned off by, I believe it's called Christie's. And they're like this art, like this well-known, yeah. massive institution in the traditional art world. And they auctioned it off and, and it was purchased for $69 million. Wow. $69 million. Holy uh, cow. And so <laughs> Jeez. so this guy uh, sold an NFT for like 70 million bucks. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty crazy. And a lot of people heard about that. Yeah. And, and they're yeah. like, what are NFTs and yeah. how do I make them? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, how do I, how do I yeah. get on, on that now, $69 million? Now, I think it's interesting if you're listening to this and you're a musician and you're listening to this whole abstract discussion about, oh, royalty flow and copyrights. Yeah. And what the hell do I do with that? Yeah. Just wait for someone to build it. Yeah. Well, I think that there's another thing that NFTs do that's very useful for artists. And that is that it gives you, it's a new way to engage fans. It's a new way to monetize fan bases. Um, and it's a new way to allow the market to assign a value to your art and your work that you can't normally do because Mm -hmm. if i you know so so for example there's a musician who i don't remember their name but um there's a musician who created a set of limited edition cassette tapes actual physical cassette tapes uh, for one of their most recent albums. So it's like they put out an album and they put it on Spotify. You know, it was out there. You could stream it. Yeah. But they also yeah. made cassette tapes. And it was a limited edition set of cassettes, you know, with the art and everything in the box. And then, um, so let's say you're an artist and you did that and you created a limited edition cassette tapes. Well, how much could you charge for that? Hmm. Right? Like, if you asked for 50 bucks for a limited edition cassette tape, like maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, if you asked for 100 bucks, it's like, oh, you know, that's a yeah, lot. a little steep. If you're asking a thousand dollars, people are like, "Who the hell do you think you are?" Yeah, you know, they're gonna be mad. They're gonna be like, "Look at this idiot!" Yeah, trying to sell a cassette tape. She's never gonna sell a single cassette tape. Well, what these guys did is they auctioned off NFTs 
of the cassette tape. So it's like to buy one initially was like something between 20 and 50 bucks. And what the NFT did is you could exchange the NFT for a physical tape. So like if I said I wanted to redeem my non-fungible token, I would redeem my NFT, they would destroy the NFT. It's called burning it. They'd burn the NFT, destroy it so it's gone forever, and then they'd mail you the limited edition cassette tape. But what I could, the other thing I could do with this NFT is I could sell it on the secondary market um, to other people who might want the collectible cassette tape. It's like scouting tickets. Scalping tickets. Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, well, yeah, scout, there's, there's, scout, there's a whole little scouting. thing about that. Except except instead of, instead of like... because But because it, it's an NFT, yeah. that but goes back to the artist. The diff- yeah? Exactly. Exactly. The big difference between a scalper and this process is that all of these NFTs had smart contracts built in so that every time it was resold on the secondary market, the original artist got like 15%. So... The artist can't sell these tokens for thousand bucks. People are going to think they're crazy. No one's going to buy them. But you sell them for twenty to fifty bucks, and then they started selling on the secondary market. Yeah. And some of them were being redeemed immediately for cassette tapes. Wow. Others of them were being resold, and then people started speculating on them. And eventually, the people who were buying and selling these things were buying and selling them for thousands of dollars. Jeez. And money just kept flowing back to the artist. Right? Yeah. So they created these limited edition cassette tapes, and they made them as NFTs. It created this really interesting fan engagement where it created like this marketplace. This yeah, it's just like a little small. And, and, it yeah. went, and it went on until eventually, you know, there was only one left and it was selling for a few thousand dollars. And then eventually it was burned. And everyone who wanted the tape, you know, got the tape at a price they were willing to pay. Yeah. And the market was able to freely value that collectible. Yeah. Because it was free market forces that were deciding how much this is worth. And then the artist was shielded from being an asshole asking for $1,000 yeah. for their cassette tapes. But they still got wow. the benefit of that economic activity. Yeah. So, and then that's just a cool thing. It's just a cool fan engagement. Uh-huh. Right? Um, yeah. Because it's just a fun, new, interesting way to do merch. Yeah. Because it's uh, this rare thing and just an interesting way to engage. So another way that you can think about this is um, if I, like, if I have a concert... And I want to do a collectible poster. And I want to have, let's say, let's say I do a, I'm doing a tour. I got 10 gigs, you know, uh, up and down the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And I want to have a different collectible poster for each of the gigs. And I'll sell them for like 30 bucks, right, mm-hmm. um, at each gig. Well, like, you know, if I want to do that uh, as an artist, I've got to, you know, I've got to get it designed, obviously. But yeah. then, you know, I've got to purchase inventory for each of the 10 gigs mm-hmm. i have to do a cost benefit analysis how many should i have how many do i think will sell you know i want to have enough for anyone who wants one but i don't want to have so many because they're useless afterwards because they're limited edition for that concert only right so you have to do the image then i have to have someone work in a merch booth you know someone who's selling that and keeping up with it yeah and then and then the people who buy it you know they gotta they gotta hold it during the yeah. concert, like, do I? What do I do with this? Have you ever bought something at a concert? You're yeah. Like, what, what do I and do with you're this? You're just like carrying it around. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it gets crinkled up, or and then you're upset because you're like, oh, my limited edition poster. I paid fifty dollars for this one. Well, you can create limited edition NFTs for your concerts, and you can include them with ticket sales. So if I buy a ticket, you automatically get this collectible NFT poster. 
Right? Yeah. I mean, there, there are there are companies out there that are doing that, that are building these ticket selling services on the blockchain that will allow you to create NFTs. Like the ticket itself is an NFT. Yeah. And you can bundle digital collectibles with the NFT. Yeah. And then it's like, so if I buy a ticket, digital ticket, now I get this digital collectible. And if I want, I can go make a print of it or I can get a digital display and put it on my wall mm-hmm. or I could just have it online and put it in some portfolio and show it, show it off somewhere where people can go online and look at it. Um, and then also now there's a secondary market for that digital collectible because maybe there's someone out there that wants to own every limited edition poster yeah. for every um, concert date up and down the East Coast. Maybe you've got a super fan who can't make it to every concert, but they yeah. want to buy all the yeah. posters. So now yeah. they can make bids and offers on mm-hmm. the digital collectibles very easily in the secondary yeah. market, whereas like otherwise you'd have to go try to hunt people down who went to these concerts. Yeah. This would be tough. Yeah, yeah. So that's another way you can think of for creating sort of fan engagement and creating collectibles and creating merchandise, a new type of merchandise that's very, um, that's meaningful, mm-hmm. uh, that's interesting, yeah. that has this collectible feel uh, and that allows you to, you know, to, to monetize your audience more yeah. effectively. Right? Yeah. Because the market is pricing these yeah. items. Especially yeah. and in the secondary market, and then you know you get sold in the secondary market, you get the yeah, you get the yeah. you get the royalty flows. Man, every that's time awesome. Yeah. So there are things you can do right now as an artist. Also, if you're an artist who already has an established platform, you can just do what like Kings of Leon did or, or Blau. I did hear and yeah. just like sell an album that like gives someone studio time with you for like four million dollars. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but if yeah. you're not a multi-million you know, album yeah. stream, if you're not a billion streamer or uh-huh. already a millionaire with a huge platform. Yeah. There are other things you can do for collectibles that can make an interesting uh, yeah. engagement with your audience. And something else that allows you to do is that if you have a core audience of dedicated listeners and fans, uh-huh. it can, and, and, and they're willing to, to pay a lot for these types of collectibles, you can, make a living and be successful in a much smaller fan base yeah. than you otherwise would be, right? Yeah. Because how many streams a month do you need to make a living? Like Millions. several million. Yeah. Yeah. Every month. You know? Yeah. How many people actually have an audience that big? Yeah. If you have 20,000 monthly listeners, you're not, you're not, you're probably not even breaking even, even on your, um, your monitors and your, Ultra wide screen, yeah. Ultra wide screen in this beautiful Apollo studio. Interface. I walked in and I was like, "How much is Andrew making from this audio stuff, musician?" I was yeah. like, "Man, <laughs> not <laughs> not nice enough." I can it's tell nice you, in here. I like it. It's it, got it, a nice it yeah, yeah. It's I've, a nice I've little, enjoyed good building vibe. this good studio. Vibe. Thanks, man. Yeah, I got the uh, the vintage light bulbs, so you got that warm glow and all that stuff. And oh yeah, yeah, nice uh, wood uh, woodworking um, shit everywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's really cool. I, and, and that's why I wanted to ask you about this. I was reading through your bio or mm-hmm. whatever. And, uh, and yeah, I saw, saw that NFTs, uh, for, for, you know, the music industry. I was like, holy shit. I'd never thought about that. It's really interesting. And, I, yeah. I actually yeah. think, you know, a lot of people have very strong objections to NFTs for a lot of reasons. Um, the most common objection I, I hear is like for art, it's like, well, I could just screenshot that, right? And it's yeah. like it's the same. It's like, yeah. well, you know, it's really it's it's not quite the same, but I understand that. But for something sure. like a copyright, like if I take a screenshot of a contract, that doesn't mean that contract's with me. 
Exactly. Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything unless yeah. I own the token because yeah. now the royalty flows are going into my wallet. Yeah. Um, you and know, like the go only ahead person, and take a screenshot. Right? Yeah. It but matter. but the only person who could take the screenshot is the person who has the NFT in the first place. Well, that's not necessarily right? true. Like okay. for art and stuff, usually what you do is you make it publicly visible I in some see. way. Yeah. So yeah. it's like you're just you're the owner, yeah. but it's like it's yeah. out there for anyone to look at. And they can just so take a screenshot. If they want. I mean, it's copyright infringement. So, I mean, so it doesn't necessarily. It's, it doesn't it's, necessarily well, smack in the mic. Yeah, smack the mic. It's not legal bit. to do that, but I mean, are people doing it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, are yeah. people gonna do it? Yes. Yeah. It's not legal to pirate a movie, but yeah, pirate you wouldn't, you wouldn't download a car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't screenshot a house. Yeah. 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 So like, but. yeah, with art, maybe it's got its limitations. Oh. But um, so so you know with copyrights and royalty flows mm-hmm. that sort of stuff is kind of defeated, right? And with collectibles, it's more about like I own the collection, right? So mm-hmm. that stuff. And then there's a lot of like you can do you can do gifts and moving videos and mm-hmm. and and other things. And you know the idea for tickets like you have to have the NFT to use the ticket to get into a venue. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And, and the other thing like you have to own the NFT to have the experience. Like if I'm selling studio, like if I'm like this in it, the holder of this NFT can spend a day in my studio with me working on a song. Well, only one person can own the NFT. So even if it does come with a collectible poster, it's like, well, yeah, you screenshot the poster. I'm going to go hang out in the studio yeah, with my yeah. favorite musician. Yeah. So uh, there are a lot of uses of NFTs uh, that go beyond what I think the mainstream media is really pushing to people because right now what's being pushed is the sort of talk about is the absurd the the absurdity yeah somewhat yeah of the of 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 the kind of new and, and don't get me wrong I, I love it i love nft art i love it and yeah. i think it's great and i understand it like i would i would be very satisfied owning uh an nft of some art that i enjoyed mm-hmm. um but I understand the criticism of people seeing it and going, these people are paying a million dollars for a for a freaking, you know, yeah. for a dot PNG file. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, you can't even do anything with it. And that uh-huh. brings us all the way back to my first point, which was that just because you've bought the NFT doesn't mean you can make copies of it and sell it, right? Because like There's... if like if I want to buy the rights to some art Maybe that is worth a million dollars. But, you know, these media outlets, they're like, and guess what? They can't even sell it. You know, like, you can't even make millions of dollars with it. You can sell the, the token, but you yeah. can't, you can't, you don't own the copyright. Yeah. So that's the question I had with the Banksy. Yeah. Was these people bought a Banksy print? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they have the copyright to the Banksy print. Yeah. So when they made the digital copy of the Banksy, and then burn the original that was making a copy that's an unauthorized copy of that banksy work and so yeah. it was copyright infringement yeah and i'm like i'm sure banksy doesn't give a crap yeah you know i mean i mean i don't, I don't think he does i mean i don't know maybe that's yeah. hey banksy hey. if you're out there did you care like yeah. did you know yeah. that that's copyright infringement i uh, mean it sounds like it yeah. may, but you know i Message mean just a critical underscore convo <laughs> on instagram let me know what you think yeah. banksy banksy's uh, our, our podcast here yeah, yeah. but um it, that that was that was confusing to me. I mean, now I I don't know all the terms of the sale. It's possible that the copyright was included mm-hmm. for the sale of a print, but I didn't see anything about the copyright in any of that stuff I read. If I'm wrong, correct yeah. me. You know, yeah. out there, if anybody wants. To- yeah, I didn't. I don't remember. I and I 
I hadn't even thought about like the yeah. whole copyright idea of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very common like uh, misconception a lot of people have. I I'm I I do I do peruse Reddit. Mm-hmm. If that's considered social media, I yeah. think it is. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, th- I I think it is considered social yeah. media, but I do have some interesting ideas about Reddit. But continue what you're saying. But um, I do peruse Reddit, and there's an NFT. There's there's r slash NFT I follow subreddit mm-hmm. for NFTs, and it's a very very common question people are always asking like, if I buy this, do I have the copyright to it? It's like, no, you don't. Yeah, not unless yeah. it says that you own the copyright to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it does, then that's cool, right? That might yeah. be worth a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't, if you're not getting the copyright, then you know you're just you're paying for a PNG. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and know what you own. You, <laughs> couldn't you technically embed something in the file where it could recognize if there was a screenshot of that? I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a, I know that there are I'm, like I'm websites. I'm kind of blowing it out my butt right now. I know that there are websites yeah. that like won't let you right click download. Yeah, like, they'll they'll do yeah. something with it. But I, definitely, I social media is not that. I mean, I mean, yeah, so don't go posting your Banksy on social media. Well, I mean, it, it's just it's it's a balancing act of like technically it's infringement but like everyone does it so it's yeah. like yeah art is it's weird. like jaywalking you know like if i take a picture of you you've got this photograph of a mountain behind you Horn is, peak. you know i climbed that mountain okay but yeah. like let's 14, say fourteen feet let's say you didn't take that picture okay uh and someone else owns the copyright it's like if i'm taking a picture of you you know that picture's in the pictures copyright infringement of the photo it's like yeah. well eh maybe you know yeah. but i mean i doubt that photographer's gonna come after me because we post it on facebook or reddit or wherever yeah we, we aren't but we actually are like when we, we say we're not on social media but we actually both yeah are yeah we media. are actually we're two people who say we're off social media who that secretly, are very much still on social yeah media. Yeah, like, yeah 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 i'm not on facebook that's it yeah except yeah. when i have to be for work no <laughs> <laughs> i promise i'm only on social media for work i promise, I promise. Never i'm never down. perusing never scrolling mindless uh office memes or videos or or seeing what my buddies are up to um yeah uh reddit is interesting and i i because i've known about reddit since like freaking forever like uh, middle school or whatever um and so i know it's it's been around as long as all these other social media platforms or just like close no i, I don't know me. how old I don't, reddit I don't is know. actually um and yet it's like there is something to the reddit environment platform culture whatever you want to say that lends itself to being a place where you could possibly have a page like uh, Wall Street Bets. Wall Street Bets. Right? Uh, I knew as soon as you were like, I have thoughts on Reddit, yeah, I was yeah. like, we're oh, gonna talk about Everybody Wall knew I was about to bring up yeah. Wall Street Bets. Um But like, you know, you don't really see that on Facebook or Instagram. No. And and it's very interesting. I don't know why. Uh, but you literally, because I, I, I'm not on Wall Street Bets. I have not, I went on to Wall Street Bets just to kind of inform myself a little bit on what the hell it even was. Mm-hmm. Um, and read a few posts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And some of the people posting on there are like posting full on, like page long, pages long analysis. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Of, There's a lot of, of good data on there. Of, yeah. And it's, it's insane. And it's free to access or whatever and i've done the same thing with um you know certain uh crypto tokens that i've looked at Mm -hmm. um 
You know, you know what's interesting is uh, Wall Street Bets has a rule that you can't post about crypto. Oh, really? So you can't. Yeah, they're they're stocks only. In yeah. case anyone listening doesn't know about Wall Street Bets, I don't know how it's possible. Yeah, it's yeah, a, it's it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's it, a community on Reddit. Have you been living on a rock well, next to me? Hey, listen, no judgment here. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. it's a community on Reddit that views the stock market as essentially an elaborate gambling casino. Yeah, uh, and they make a la- they make massive, unwise, speculative bets on um the marketplace with with unreasonable amounts of money and ex- take extremely risky positions uh and it's hilarious uh, yeah they're very funny about it and oftentimes they're some of the most analytical and intelligent traders on yeah. the planet uh because they understand the macroeconomic climate and that the stock market is essentially a large manipulated game yeah um and so anyway that that's kind of yeah <laughs> that's that's my hot take on, yeah on sure what, what yeah Wall Street I, yeah, I I just knew that they were the place that kind of stuck it to the man with GameStop. Yeah, and you know that's really interesting because, I like they're really if you dig deep into the, like all the OGs on the Wall Street Bets forum, they're kind of against the idea that they like stuck it to the that man. they were there to stick it to the man. Yeah. They're like they're like these hedge funds had an incredibly overexposed short position they, on the stock oh, okay. that we took a position that ran counter to in order to make gobs of money. Yeah. And it became and that that was how it was initially. Mm-hmm. And then everyone a bunch more people saw the research because it was based on this very deep yeah. research on the market and the short position yeah. GameStop and it was very it was very um the position that the hedge funds had was very dangerous yeah. uh, at the time. And so <clears throat> a lot of people started to take the Provided the, the long position yeah. against the shorts to try to create a short squeeze. Uh, and so um, then it all became massive. And then it suddenly became this massive rallying cry. And it drew in millions of people who had nothing to do with Wall Street bets, who all came to Wall Street bets because they they thought because they found what Wall Street Bets was doing to be this form of protest mm-hmm. against the the market manipulators yeah. that have engineered you know uh, the Great Recession never went to prison continued to be multimillionaires yeah. billionaires yeah and all this other stuff and and I mean it, it it made sense and you know maybe maybe the, some of the Wall Street Bets people are like that but ultimately like I think the thing that's important to think about with Wall Street Bets is that it's it's an it's a disorganized group of unaffiliated people Mm -hmm. and it's decentralized there's no there's no like one there's no like 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 yeah there's no like i mean there's no higher i mean there are moderators yeah there's no no, like hierarchy i mean anyone can post yeah and anyone else can choose to follow that post's Mm -hmm. analysis or not there's no entry yeah or whatever yeah and there's absolutely no financial advice yes yes (laughs) it's all it's all for for absolutely for entertainment purposes only entertainment and education due diligence yeah yeah uh so so i I thought that that was what was really cool about it was that it's just this this sort of unaffiliated group and this massive movement was just spawned from it yeah um and then everyone was fuck the hedge funds and i was fuck the hedge funds i bought one share of gamestop yeah uh, which i paper handed yeah. before it rallied again <laughs> uh, because i was cleaning up my portfolio and i was like this is annoying me i'm just gonna get rid of it yeah uh, I'm sorry, I'm part of the problem, guys. Because so, it did rally up I again. I had that didn't one. It? I had yeah. It's it's. I don't know. It was trading like 180 bucks last week, middle mm. of, end of the week. I haven't been following it that closely. Yeah. But I know that it was going back up. But yeah. um, I bought it like on the way up, and I bought it like two days before Robinhood fucked the world. 
Oh, um, yeah. And so then I Thanks was Thanks like, a lot, yeah. Robin Hood. Thanks, Robin Hood. How ironic that it's Robin Hood. And there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was the joke? The joke was uh, more yeah. like more like the Sheriff of Loxley yeah, you know, yeah. than Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah. Um, gotcha. So you didn't get in on the those big... Uh, GameStop games. No, I didn't get the GameStop games. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, no, I'm just I'm I'm just in it for the crypto games. Yeah, Listen, aren't we all? I don't understand swing trading. It's it's too difficult for me. Um, yeah, I'm 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 a macro position trader. Yeah, so I barely I mean. understand. I, which means I don't <laughs> understand day trading. Yeah, well, no, let no, alone no. swing trading. Day trading. Oh no. Yeah. No no. Um, no, 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 no. Jeepers creepers. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it, and I just think it's so interesting. That you have these little micro communities like this on ins or ugh, not Instagram, uh, Reddit, mm-hmm. specifically Reddit. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and maybe I need to do more digging on Facebook. I do not want to. There are communities um, on Facebook, but I don't know that they're they're not like the dominant. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just it's the way it was structured. You know, yeah, Facebook is structured for you to have a particular network of other individuals. Mm-hmm uh reddit is structured around subreddits so like the whole point is to have like you're you, you don't f- like connect with people yeah i mean it's you can follow people on reddit or but that's ideas not, or yeah. stuff it, it's like it's you don't i mean you can follow people but that's not what it's about like you you follow communities yeah so the subreddits are they are they're the the driver of the network effect Mm-hmm. on reddit whereas the driver of the network effect on facebook is the other people that you know in real life who are on facebook yeah and the driver of the network effect on instagram are the influencers you know the, the big individual personalities that you want to follow but reddit yeah. is about the communities yeah right so that's what creates the network effect yeah um so it's just it's just a differently structured media platform yeah mm-hmm. yeah which i just found interesting um because I always kind of wrote read it off as like an outdated over you know over the top meme farm. It is. Kind um, of, I mean, it is a meme farm. It right? yeah, like that's where it, to my understanding that's where memes originated. Yeah. Um, but then of course you know I I heard about the Wall Street bets things you know a week after everything had happened. Um. And I was when you like, came out of your your bunker. Yeah, yeah, I came it, out of my your, bunker with your it was can like of baked Christmas beans or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I guess like this is the time to check in. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then I'll go back into my my bunker with my baked beans. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it just kind of hit me in the face. And then I started doing like some um, crypto research mm-hmm. on on you know Reddit because crypto is so new that finding news on it is just so you know like. God help you if you Google anything about mm. crypto news. Um, I would advise DuckDuckGo. Um, but like even then, it's it's just you know it's a mess trying to find anything. Anyways, so yeah, it it was just an interesting thing that I I was like, well maybe this is social media that's not bad. Mm. Like well, bad in the sense that I feel Facebook, Instagram, because I mean. It's just, I, those are the giants, and mm. I guess Facebook owns Instagram now, so it's just Facebook that I'm talking about here. Um, but, you know, like, they, have you heard of anybody getting deplatformed on, on Reddit or, like, or pulled off of Reddit? Well, actually, it's interesting that you say that because there have been some controversies. There was a recently a Reddit admin 
who was hired that was allegedly involved with some sort of pedophilia or something. Like, I don't know enough about it as the yeah. allegations were said. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that's true. I'm telling you that's what the allegations were. Yeah. Um, and so, she, like, apparently this Reddit admin started, like, banning entire subreddits and stuff because mm. they were all, like, trying to get her fired. Uh. and eventually um, eventually uh, she was fired because she was abusing her power I think I and see. so so you know deplatform a reddit Not I mean because there, there are I mean there are allegedly. there are reddit administrators and they do they do occasionally I mean subreddits have gone away before yeah um yeah it, you know to the level that like Twitter did yeah you know yeah. after the election yeah uh, no i haven't heard of anything like that yeah um i mean there are rules that have to be followed mm-hmm. um as far as i have heard and what i'm aware of reddit is much more forgiving and willing to work with moderators yeah. to bring their subreddit into conformity with the rules mm-hmm. um and to give them the tools that they need to do that uh without uh destroying them right yeah um which might make them survive this massive social media, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, uh, crusade. Yeah. Well, against. Well, you know, we're we're in a strange time, and it's really it kind of brings it full circle back to where we started. Yeah. Um, when we were talking about the echo chambers and everything, I planned that, and so we we talked about uh, you know, we we were really we were kind of hostile towards social media yeah the conversation um i don't think social media is intrinsically evil yeah um but there are like the way we have because because i mean think about it. social media is a very new technology mm-hmm. like um like imagine slightly imagine older it was crypto. like i mean imagine it's 15 years after the Wright brothers invented flight yeah and we're sitting here thinking you know planes are evil because they crash a lot you know it's like well maybe there's some innovation left yeah in the aeroplane (laughs) industry that will occur deep into the future so it's like when i think of social media i'm thinking we're 15 years really after i mean you know my maybe myspace was around like 20 years ago but but for the most part we're 15 20 years into the technology exist it does interesting actually um good for you myspace (laughs) it's really strange yeah uh but um we're only 20 years into the technology yeah so i think what we're discovering is that it's a dangerous technology it can be misused it can be used to hurt people and to manipulate people and to manipulate censor, countries. Yeah. Entire. I mean, the outcomes of elections yeah. can live and die based on the yeah. actions of a social media entity with a singular CEO and board of directors deciding yeah. how these things play out. Yeah. And, and so we're, we're beginning to understand the level of control and influence this technology has. Whereas perhaps before we thought it was somewhat innocuous, you know, yeah. like, let's go to Facebook for the memes. Yeah. We didn't think of it as something that, presidential elections lived and died them yeah right but yeah. now we're understanding that it is a very powerful and dangerous technology and yeah. that perhaps the way that we have been using it has not necessarily been the b 
beep. Yeah. Has not necessarily been. Sorry, it was a heater. I was oh. getting hot. Was it Are on? You... Yeah. I've been hot this whole time. Oh, shit. I'm so I sorry. Thought, I thought you were just like, didn't have the AC I on was... because. No, sorry. Because, because I'm you took your sweater cold. off, too. I did. I did. I should have turned that thing off like freaking forever ago. An hour ago. Anyway. Sorry. Anyway. All right. Sweating out my first guest here. Back in Anyways, up. yeah. God, yeah, yeah, what yeah, was yeah. the brilliant point? poignant point i was making you were like, talking I was about over here having an epiphany about yeah my bad uh they can uh, social media can, can it's a big generate powerful the outcomes it's a big powerful dangerous technology yeah. we're beginning to realize that perhaps we have not been using it to the best of its utility yeah and i think there's a lot of good things that social media does and i think that even just now talking about reddit and the utility like the the sort of really interesting and incredible gathering of like-minded individuals that wall street bets created in that moment yeah, yeah um the way that like you've used it as an information source for crypto like same thing with twitter like we use it for news like mm-hmm. you know i've seen some incredible intellectual debates on twitter that have really? done a very yeah a very good job of di- of dis- of demonstrating and explaining to me the different side the different viewpoints okay. of all things right. You know, because it's like people present opinions with all this research and then someone will quote tweet it and present their counter their counter argument in a line of research, Mm. which is (laughs) I'm going to bring it all the way back to. (laughs) And uh, so I think that there are some really important things that can happen. Yeah. And. In some ways, that that use case that I just described to you with Twitter, Mm -hmm. where one person publicly posts to Twitter their argument was supporting reasoning and research the other person can quote tweet it and then do a thread based on their own antagonistic research and opinion is mm-hmm. very similar to the type of public discourse that was occurring in america during the time that the constitution was being argued by yes because there was federalists and there was there was uh, anti-federalists i mm-hmm. forgot the exact terms but basically there were those who were in favor of a strong federal government in a constitution that established a federal government. I'm pretty sure it's just federalist and into. Yeah, I think that might like be the federalist. word. I mean, I learned about it in law school, but I'm yeah. bad with names. But um, and then there was the other group who believed that very, very fervently that states should be the dominant body. Yeah. And that states should have all the power, and that the federal government either shouldn't exist or should be extremely um, limited. Very limited, and so that is, and and they would the way that they had that discourse is they would publish in the national newspapers their argument, and then the following day or week, the counter-argument would be composed and then published in the national newspaper. And this went out to everyone in the country, at least mm-hmm. everyone who could read. Yeah. Um, and so that was an extremely public and visible argument yeah. that was taking place about the soul of our nation yeah. in, in, on, on a public forum. And so... Well, I... I I don't think the newspaper was technically a public forum in, in the in the legal sense, but yeah, you know, in in a very public way, yeah, it was happening I, as so, closest to to a public forum mm-hmm. as, as I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not you could quite distribute then. Yeah, I'm not as hip on my media law as perhaps I, I could be when it comes yeah. to public forums. But yeah, it's to been my a while reco- since I've looked at media my, law. To my recollection, a newspaper is not a public forum. But um, to my recollection, yeah. I might be wrong. I'm not yeah. a I'm not a I'm not a free speech attorney. I'm not You're a civil good. rights attorney, but. Um, just an nft attorney apparently now actually you know a lot of attorneys aren't really allowed to say that they specialize like oh. like i you know i can say like i practice in this area but i can't say like i specialize in it right? interesting I, I don't know I mean, maybe i mean or you know because like there's no certifications except for like patent law and a couple other things so hmm. like, you have to be careful with how you describe it you can be like you can be like i focus on uh-huh. this 
Right. Yeah. In fact, that makes me think I need to maybe go look at my Twitter profile and make sure I didn't say specialize in the in the head. Uh oh. I may have used the word specialize. I don't, I don't think I should. Everybody, quick. Everybody, go look at my Twitter and tell me. It'll you, be changed by the time you publish yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, you've got a second. I'm, I'm, this will, this but um, anyway, what was I saying? So the point was is that like there are some useful uses, and that public discourse can still occur mm-hmm. um, in a meaningful way. Not if yeah. not if the opposing viewpoint is being deplatformed. But yeah, yeah, um, makes it kind of. But but there are potential amazing uses for social media that you know as a, as an incredible font of information if we all just you know maybe rethink the way that we use and consume that information yeah yeah i, I would yeah and i don't really want to come across i probably have done a really shitty job at it but i don't want to come across as anti social media um i hope my thoughts of reddit kind of helped with that uh i just I've been burned, especially this past year, a lot with just the constant BS. It's been tough. On uh, it's just so rough, man. Um, and it just got to the point to where I was like, and you know, maybe this is me, you know, uh, being hypocritical. Uh, but it was like to the point where I didn't really want to think of people as informed if they get their information from social media. I was like, I, I don't like, I don't consider you informed <laughs> because I, the only thing I know that exists on social media are these echo chambers mm-hmm. and like the design of them is to create an echo chamber for you to enjoy. And it's really hard unless you're actively as you know, your political position is is a and you disagree with b and so the only way to actually that i know of to actually get b's perspective is to go on social media and create a a political b account right right see what that echo chamber looks like exactly go log into your go log into your dad's facebook account and see what he's posting about right yeah yeah or yeah (laughs) it's a totally different universe oh yeah and it's you know um and every now and then because i do spend an inordinate amount of time on youtube um uh and with podcasts i'm unfortunately in love with podcasts um wait you like podcasts i have a problem please help me please help um i couldn't tell yeah no kidding uh anyways no um and so like i'll i'll notice on youtube i'll get you know suggestions of what i've been watching and every every now and then i'll clean up i'm using air quotes clean up my suggestions by going in and looking for a couple videos that i definitely don't want to watch or or would agree with or whatever so then it just starts suggesting stuff and content like that so i stopped getting and and you know um so so yeah i just been i i don't mean to be anti social media because obviously there it it's only as evil as the people using it Mm -hmm. and well and and to a certain extent yeah i think that it a lot of it comes with an experience like we we've created it because we created it in the way that we thought was cool yeah and we're realizing that it can be very dangerous yeah yeah. So I think everyone is rethinking it, and and it, it's been especially exacerbated over this last year because we have been so isolated and forced to kind of go into even yeah. more deeply those you had no choice those social get, media bubbles. Yeah, and and so that and in a point in time where you know 
we were all already very contentious mm-hmm. and stressed and there was already kind of uh, a boiling point for a lot of different issues and then we were forced to not only you know i mean to isolate in a way that even if we wanted to have these types of discussions face to face you can't yeah you couldn't you had to go online and when you're online people are dehumanized Mm -hmm. and then you're you're in these echo chambers so yeah it can be difficult so now if you've got your vaccine please go out find a friend yeah who doesn't think like you who according to the cc cdc also needs to be vaccinated oh sure okay yeah and uh, I'm not telling you what to do. You do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go find a friend. Yeah, yeah. Far be it from two libertarians my, to tell you what to do. This is my suggestion. I, yeah. Here's what I'm doing. Go find a friend Yeah. Uh, who thinks differently than you. Yeah. And then I, I want you to look him in the eye and I want you to say, why the fuck do you believe this? <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. radical. You idiot. <laughs> Imbecile. <laughs> what the hell's going on? um yeah yeah um yeah and something else that i think people i hope are realizing is the foreign influence that can occur through social media oh sure which is something i had never thought about Mm -hmm. and 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 you know again like i'm an idiot i don't really read up on stuff but like um i read books very slowly (laughs) Mm -hmm. so the information i gain is is you know months old anyways um years old um but yeah, the the foreign influence that occurs um, and can occur through social media is something that I think is very alarming, especially as you consider the fact, kind of like what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, how America does not need to remain America. There is no guarantee our country will stand that your life and your freedom, your liberty... Um, will will maintain its existence there you know another country is you know very capable of taking over um or or taking the limelight to where we then have to you know bend in a way we don't want to bend but have no choice because Mm. we've lost our power right Mm. you know i don't want to spell doom and gloom that america will go under in the next 10 years but like I am very nervous about Mm. our influence and our power because I believe us to be, and this is where those of you listening to this can come and contact me on the Instagram page, please. Um, uh, who don't agree with this idea because I'd love to get in contact with you. Um, but I believe, uh, America to be this birthplace of the individual being valued. Right. And, the ideas of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as they relate to the individual and not the government. Um, and this being the birthplace of that idea, I, I don't think it should go away. I don't think it should change into something else. I think, I think you know, what Americans look like and, and what we do in, in, in the political debates that go on change, sure, but the idea, the simple idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness um, needs to be protected. Um, and it's an intellectual idea. And so the only way to really protect it is intellectually through podcasts. Um, <laughs> with Andrew Sears. With Andrew Sears. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and, and I see a great, or I fear a great pursuit against that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, 
through foreign invasion into our social media because it's so easy. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody from anywhere can create a Facebook account. And because our laws, thank God, in the U.S. are so laxed on, on you know, uh, what is said on social media. Um, well, they used to be. Um, you know, any foreign influence can just create millions of accounts and 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 just generate uh you know a bunch of content to to not undermine our ideas but to undermine us and split us mm-hmm. and that's something i very much fear um and am am re- really trying to to fight against um so i'm not anti social media i just see these very important weaknesses uh, that I think really need to be addressed. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's an interesting time to live because I feel, I definitely feel we're in a catalyst where, um, there's, uh, I'm not going to name it. There's a podcast that I listen to. It's not the one everybody's thinking about right now. I guarantee you it's not that one, but, um, there's a podcast I listen to, uh, that's a history podcast, and um, a common thing that is said in this podcast or metaphor is that every empire goes through this phase of 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 what is it, like bare feet up the steps and and then silk slippers uh, slipping down the steps or whatever something like that. I've I've botched it, but essentially the idea is that every empire you know is at the beginning, and I'm not equating us to an empire, guys. Hold up. Um, uh, Every empire was built, you know, on, you know, blood, sweat and tears and, 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 and building it. Right. And then the, the uh, consecutive generations forget the work that took uh, or, or that was required to get to that place, you know, and, and that's kind of the silk slippers that then slip and everything falls because you forget that hard work. And I, I feel we're at that point. I feel we have these silk slippers that, you know, very few people in my generation, uh, know what it's like to be in a war, let alone go to war, you know, be, be in a war as a country is what I mean, let alone, you know, um, you know, go, go fight in it yourself. Um, which I, you know, I think is something that's important for holding people together as a country. I don't think we need to go to a war. That's why I think this podcast is important. I can save that. Um, but, uh, and, and I didn't really grow up. I, I mean, I grew up around the time of, you know, the Iraq war or whatever war on terrorism and whatnot. But, but to my experience and, and people can, you know, correct me if, if they feel differently, but I'd never felt like it was, you know, a real conflict, you know, well, not it, in the way I experienced it. I was also young at the very beginning. How about it. this? I mean, America has certainly been engaged in many wars during our lifetimes, but none in which we ourselves were truly threatened. Yeah. Really, we were going in as mm-hmm. destroyers and conquerors, mm-hmm. and we just are like, we're going to go fuck shit up in the Middle East or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go predator drones. Throw a few bombs down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fly but some it, drones but over it, there. But like skin in the game. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously there, there are veter- there are plenty of veterans out there who have been to these places and fought, right? Yeah. Um, and, but like people in the homeland, we mm-hmm. don't have that. Like people at home, like yeah. even if it's going on in that conflict, 
Yeah. Like, it's just so far away, and it's mm-hmm. so, like, we don't we don't have a fear. Like, what if we lose? You know, what if they come for us? You yeah. Know, what, if, what if we're actually threatened? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think, and this is another conversation. I had uh, this conversation with a buddy of mine, same buddy who lives in Scotland or whatever. Um, and we were talking, we were FaceTiming, and he mentioned this picture he saw of these two guys in America in a mall with swastikas on their shoulders or mm-hmm. something like that. And, um, and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I don't want to see that. I'm going to address it if I do see that. But he was very, uh, very much triggered by seeing that. And he was like, he was very upset and, and was just kind of going off about it to me. And I was, you know, again, sort of like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to see that. If I see that in public, I'm going to address it. Right. But if I see a picture on it, I'm going to be like, oh, you know, shit, just some assholes being assholes. Um, but he was just very, just his reaction was, was so strong. Uh, and one of the reasons why, cause I asked, I was like, why are you react? Like, there's nothing you can do about it. Why are you reacting like this? Just, you know, move on from the photo don't like it (laughs) um uh and and he was just like well this is something that like in school you know was drilled into us about like the history of world war ii or whatever and not just in school but like their parents and their like their grandparents um and you know they were obviously a lot closer Mm -hmm. to it being bombed and whatnot and the scars from that still exist Mm. is is kind of what he was saying and and he kind of was making the point that you guys don't have those scars. Yeah. You don't like well. No, they bombed Pearl Harbor. They bombed at, Pearl right, Harbor. Some you know in yeah. World War Two. Yeah, but, in World War Two. But, but the no, mainland United States yeah. was not in, was not affected by yeah. World War Two. Yeah, World War Two. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, so it's like, you know, it's so hard for us to realize that, and I feel like this it's created this catalyst of okay, are we gonna slip on our silk slippers or are we gonna? you know, realize that we need to do this work to keep us together. You know, not all agreeing, agreeing and conforming, but keeping us together as a nation that believes in this principle. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. I don't, uh, yeah. Do you have anything to add? No, thanks for all right having this conversation with me. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you coming yeah. over. I really appreciate your perspective and and uh, you know, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I, I wanted to bring people on who I felt intellectually inferior to, and I definitely wow. feel come on. Yeah, just just to kind of you know uh, pump your ego a little bit. Look, um, that law school and those two other degrees you got kind of <laughs> yeah. got me beat on my one music degree. You know, you know what really makes me feel intellectually superior is my art degree. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Sorry, artists. Yeah. Sorry, artists. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, man, I really appreciate you coming out. I really appreciate your perspective. Uh, and yeah, so uh, real quick, just as a reminder, where can people follow you on Twitter? Yeah, I am on Twitter, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, I talk about NFTs. It's at uh, legally underscore NFT. So easy awesome. to remember, I think. Yeah, go go Do attack want, him for. I think I've got on. ten followers right now, so Perfect. I'll look. I'll look pump for the podcast up. bump. Yeah, right. pump up those followers. Yeah, that's why I'm here, man, to pump up your numbers, awesome. right? Uh, with my thirty-eight followers, yeah, who are definitely not all fake accounts. I, 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 <laughs> They're not all accounts I, that you and your mom have made. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks, mom. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, 
All right. Well, that's it for us. Uh, follow us on uh, critical convo, critical underscore convo on Instagram. Uh, message me if you'd like to be on. Um, and yeah, we can arrange that. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. That's it. See ya.